Fat Project family, how's it going? Now, we have had so many different guests that have come onto our podcast, and we've talked about meat a lot. And the one thing that everybody that tries Piedmontese says is that it is some of the most tender steak they have ever had. <laughs> I think, actually, Sean Baker came on and talked about the lack of connective tissue in the cattle. Yeah, he broke it down scientifically. But yeah. It, yeah, he did. <laughs> the, that's the reason why when you whatever cut you get, whether it's a ribeye, whether it's a flat iron, whether it's a bavette, no mm-hmm. matter when you cut into that steak after it's cooked, you're not getting any any of that chewiness that, that gristle that you have to spit out because you can't mm-hmm. actually chew it piedmontese is super tender they have great cuts that are low fat high fat for whatever diet you're doing they're just an overall amazing beef company andrew how can they get it yep that's over at piedmontese.com that's p-i-e-d-m-o-n-t-e-s-e.com at checkout enter promo code power for 25 percent off your order and if your order is 150 dollars or more you get free two-day shipping again piedmontese.com promo code power links to them down in the description as as well as the podcast show notes. I'm just really uncomfortable with that. It's yeah, crazy. we're trying to share all kinds of stuff. People won't listen to us for fucking <laughs> anything. You come along and go swinging around this fucking ball thing. <laughs> no talk or whatever it is. A ball And handle. you're all jacked. People are like, hey, what's this guy doing? That helps. And no talking at all. None. No talking at all. Like, I've know, never noticed that, actually, like, now that you mention it. Dude, none. I'm just so uncomfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing good today, man. So far? Yeah. Well, in today. person and... About yeah, fitness, yeah. I'm good. If anything else, uh, I don't <laughs> like the way my voice sounds. Okay, oh. we missed that one. Ah, you'll get used to it. Your voice will sound <clears throat> beautiful to you and everybody else soon enough, right? Absolutely. People Absolutely. cream themselves over in Seema's voice sometimes. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> uh, I right? do. We just got done with the interview with Susan, remember? What did she say? What did she say? <laughs> Who is Susan? <laughs> so we, we we had a we had a sexpert on the podcast a little while ago, and then, oh, me, hey now. and then she interviewed me and Encima, and we you know once things got where we were off air, she's like Encima, your voice, I gotta go fuck my husband now. Like, <laughs> oh so, man! And Encima, and, and you know, awesome skin. He actually turned red. Oh wow! You blush. You blush. It it's, it's hard for me to blush, brother. You can't, you can't really see that shit. You don't really see that shit. You blush every once in a while. Hey, can you do the people's eyebrow? I don't know. Cause oh, you can. Oh, yeah, you yeah, just you can. nailed it. What can he do? Just one eye. Just Christ one eye. I don't think I can do the other. Just one. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Fucking talent level over here. Okay, you know what's also because really he kind of did it like just randomly mm, as you said something. Did. So I was like, man, I wonder if he could do a people's eyebrow. You have two what at home? Shepherd Huskies. You have two Shepherd Huskies. Oh shit! Hey, that's the thing. That's <laughs> the parallel universe over this here. This is so sick. <laughs> Fucking multiverse going on. I'm so dog? pumped. No, no, no. no, no. Do you have a dog, little have, Daisy? Yeah, yeah. Did you forget that she's a no, dog? No, no. I thought he said, "Do you have the same dog?" <laughs> oh, no, Huskies. No. Uh, oh, dude, I love Huskies. Daisy's like half a dog. Yeah. <laughs> His dog's like this small. Yeah. Oh, okay. But this is this is another thing. Okay, so I'll, I was talking about this in the gym. Um. First off, you're, you're lactose intolerant. Yeah. And I, the only people that I've known that have been lactose intolerant have been white people. I've never met a black person that's been lactose intolerant. But then number two, I've also never met a black person that has multiple Huskies. Oh, okay. usually, like, usually Huskies aren't, I don't see that much with, yeah. They, they're black people with pit bulls, huh? Yeah. Uh, pit bulls, but other, like there are other Are you guys dogs too. But just you're pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just well, it's just an, to say stuff. Like nah, <laughs> it's just an uncommon dog that I don't see amongst black people. Now that you say it, then yeah, I don't know any other black people with huskies. huskies. No. I, How does that happen? How do you end up with two? <laughs> well, I had one for six years, and mm. I felt like she was moving a little slow, oh, and it was right. just me and her. I was like, oh, she's probably getting bored, so I was like, all right, needs a buddy. Yeah, so. 
that kind of what that was. Mm. It is worked it, out. Is it easier to take care of your dog having two than one? It is. I mean, you ever do you have to do everything already, so Yeah, right. And they kind of just follow suit like they love each other. They kind of just mm. play off of each other. It's good. I like it. Either one of them go on any runs with you? The the youngest one could. The older one zero interest. Mm. <laughs> the youngest one she's just too sporadic though. She won't be able to stay on pace. Like she'll run this way. Can you way. like run and do stuff with your dogs or not really? <clears throat> the puppy Ari, the puppy. He uh, I take him on runs every now and then. He'll be I've, pretty good. He'll like hang with you and stuff. Yeah, like I whistle yeah, yeah. for him and he'll follow you and stuff. Yeah, I've taken him on three runs so far. I see people doing that. I'm always like, that's awesome. They you got to train like them. You got to train them. You got to train them to do it. Mm-hmm. Like my youngest, she could. She pace wise, like she just wants to run fast. I'm not running that fast all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not happening. So I probably could. Train yeah, how do they do that? What? How Pace them? You know, I just yeah, just like I don't know, dogs like they don't get tired sometimes. No, they don't. They certain yeah. types of dogs. Well, they they bodies like ours. They you train it, they'll get better yeah. at it. I mean, mm-hmm. especially huskies, they're fucking working dogs. Oh, they are. But, they go for hours. Yeah, you said you're gonna get four at some. Yeah, point. Yeah, so oh, I want shit. I want a full breed German. Yeah, and I want a four. I mean, um, husky as well. Yeah. So I have two shepherd huskies, and I have one uh, husky and one German shepherd. Mm. That's a hell of a life, man. Yeah. Got to get a big <laughs> it's a house. a hell of a so. life. I love dogs, though. I mean, so it's not much. Like, we we dog sit for people now. Me and my girlfriend, we dog really? sit. And it'll be three dogs in the house. Damn. Because once you got two, the hell is three going to mm-hmm. do? It's, it doesn't make a difference. It's just yeah. one more dog. You just walk. That's it. We were talking so, in the gym a little bit about, like, uh, your history, like, with lifting. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, like, you know, hitting some of those numbers on squats and stuff like that. And, um it's like an interesting thing, I think, for a lot of us that have been lifting for a long time that uh, now would like to have different goals that want to move better, feel better. I think uh, maybe because lifting is like it can get to be kind of addicting. You get you associate uh, yourself and some of your pride with some of the numbers that you're mm-hmm. doing and you really get kind of obsessed with it. And then you don't know any other type of like lifting or you don't know any other type of expression of strength. Mm-hmm. And so you go in there and you kind of do the same old thing and your back's always tight, your hips are always tight, and you just kind of keep accepting it and you keep doing it over and over again. It partially makes you feel good, uh, but one of the things I noticed, especially over the last couple of years in shifting gears, is that my day-to-day I feel strong. Like I feel really good. I feel strong. I feel stable. Uh, I feel a lot better, and I'm excited to start to feel a little bit more mobile, be able to open up a little bit with that kind of stuff as well. And um, what's been kind of the shift for you? Like what kind of like because the kettlebell stuff is still kind of newer for you. Just the yeah. last several years where you really transitioned into primarily just doing kettlebells, right? Yeah, it is. And like you said, it became more about the movement and movement quality. I got out of the how much I can bench, how much I can squat. I kind of been out of that for a long time because you're just chasing an injury at some point. Because at some point, <laughs> that's what you hit a wall. And you got to take steps back. So I got yeah. tired of stepping back. I was like, how do I keep going forward and still enjoy training and not get bored with it? So like, I got into the kettlebells and I started focusing movement quality. Mm. Like, it's always about the movement. There's always something you can get better with good movement-wise. So you never really have to get off that train. You just keep going. Mm-hmm. So every time you figure out something or you move a certain way, you're like, all right, I want to be better at that. You get better at that when you try another move and you realize there's something else you need to work on. Now you explore that. So you always find in new ways to move and new things to be better at instead of just trying to get a stronger lift. Because you get bored with it. You get tired of it and you're going to hit an injury at some point. So mm-hmm. 
movements and everything. I just, There's like no limitation to it too because you can put your foot forward, backwards. You can point your foot out. You can yeah. point your foot in, right? I mean, pivot. Yeah, and it's, it's creativity. It's beautiful to be able to do that because people see it and they're like, but that's how your body's supposed to move. People don't know that though. <laughs> they get so rough in moving forward, moving forward, they don't realize like, oh, I should be able to move side to side. I should be able to twist and turn. Like I should be able to do all this stuff with my body. You know, one thing I love, man, after, because I heard about your page from Joe Rogan's podcast. We were just talking about that. And when I went to your page, I'm like, this dude's doing a bunch of kettlebell stuff that, I mean, I follow a lot of kettlebell people. I was just like, this dude's doing a lot of stuff I do not see kettlebell people doing. And it kind of opened my mind to, wow, you can be really creative with this stuff. You don't have to follow the, the standard of what you see everybody else like lunging. And not that these movements are bad, but they're very one dimensional and it's very like, it's almost like with these movements, it's wrong if you do it, some of the things that you're doing. Oh, 100%. So my, I'm curious, man, because you've been doing kettlebell stuff for like four or five years now, right? Like four. When did you start getting like creative? And just because it looks like you just like were like, hmm, I wonder what happens if I move this way and this way. And it, it's amazing. I would say in the beginning because, okay. I mean, a lot, of okay. them, a lot of the movements come from me trying to address like limitations in my body. Okay. So I had, I was trying to figure out a way how I can address like my ankle mobility, but still mm. build strength and still be able to rotate. So I was like, how do I do this, but not like spend 30 minutes in the gym trying to get ready for my session? So like, all right, I'm going to just add it in my session. Mm. So like I have upper body to do. I'm going to do something lower body that's mobility in the mix of it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started doing a lot of half kneeling rotation while I'm pressing I knew I had to shoulder press that day or do some type of strict press, but I also needed to work my lower mobility. So I just combined them and I just created a move out of that. Do, do you have names for a lot of this stuff? Because like, no. <laughs> that's the thing. I was like, Damn, no. what do you call this? No, it, you'll see me sometimes. I'll put like question marks. And, I mean, essentially, <laughs> if you combine two movements, then it's just this name and that name. Like shit. I mean, it's not rocket science. So I just yeah. just I'll put the name of the two movements mm-hmm. and it's probably not called that. But like, who's going to question me on it? Yeah. And you get a lot of like, like blush back from like the people. There are people in the kettlebell community that are more like the strict movements, strict. And that's fine. But mm-hmm. like you said, eventually you get sick of it. It's the same. Like, I'm not going to go in the gym and just power clean every day, like snatch. It's just like, I'm not into it. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not the point. What do you think would happen if you trained this way when you were younger, when you were playing football? I, and I tell my buddies this, I think I'll still be playing. You'd be a wrecking mm. machine. I'd right? still be playing. Be I would have been because the, <laughs> I've always had the power. It's just like I, it was not. I wasn't able to use it because my body was limited. Like I had bad ankles. Like I'm, I'm a fast guy, but if you got bad ankles, you can't run but so fast. So my body wasn't prime and put in a position where I could perform at top. But I was natural athlete, so I still was good. But I could have been great. But the I don't think the knowledge of what training is now was there. Mm-hmm. Like, you still see it from a lot of um, different athletes. Like, you see a lot of the NFL players, like, training barefoot now. Mm. Years ago, they never did. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a lot of athletes that end up in that category where um, you end up either being, like, completely pushed away by the gym because you can't associate. It's very difficult sometimes to associate athleticism with the weight room Mm -hmm. in the traditional sense that weightlifting and just uh, lifting in general, strength and conditioning is done for uh, sport. It's kind of hard to connect the two. And when it, yeah, you're doing all these crazy uh, jumps and chops and all this stuff. Um, and then I also think that on the other side of it, there are athletes that 
their expression of strength and athleticism was mainly in the gym. And so, like, I'm going to stick with this gym stuff. But we didn't really realize that maybe that was the limiting factor. Like, yeah. Maybe your ankles were kind of messed up because maybe, uh, I mean, there could be multiple reasons, but maybe one of the reasons was uh, the way that you were training. Like, maybe, do you think it was something like that was oh, kind of contributing to that? Like, kind of leaving you stuck? Definitely. The, and the, you had no idea, right? The training or lack of training. Because, like I said, I was naturally, I feel like I was naturally gifted. Like, I could pick up a football and go. Like, I came off of a season, like, my junior year, I just rushed for, like, 1,600 yards. And the year before, I didn't even play. I didn't train that off season. I just <laughs> went into it, and I ran 27 touchdowns because I was Jeez. naturally gifted. But had I trained, I would have been great. But, again, I didn't have the knowledge, nor is, come on, strength and conditioning high school coach. It's not mm-hmm. the same if you meet somebody that's that's the, they actually get paid for it. Mm-hmm. When you see the guys that are strong, and you're like, that guy's not athletic. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like you see the and the coach is promoting like all these movements, and you're like, these guys, these are the guys that fucking like they barely play. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because yeah, they they're all movement focused. They're not like they're movement focused, but they don't they're not skilled. Like so, you can and this is my you, people preach that everyone's an athlete. I believe that to a certain extent because an athlete is an athlete at the end of the day. Like someone that can get out there, run and jump. I can teach you to move well, and you may be athletic. But I don't think you're going to be a superior athlete from training like that. Mm. Like, I can turn you to someone that moves great quality movement, jump, run. But in the, the day, if I put you next to someone, like, that's what they do, you will see the difference. So when you get caught up in that, everyone's an athlete, everyone, yeah, to a certain extent. But, like, when you get next to an athlete, mm. you see, like, all right, this is really an athlete. Mm-hmm. So you don't always need to train that way, per se. But yeah. movement quality, like I said, train movement. You be, you look athletic. You move great, and that's the goal. Mm. Uh, what what happened to your ankles that uh, that stopped you, or what took you out of football? Well, mm. most so, well, my body was just beat up. Oh, okay, like I was just banged up. Like I mm-hmm. didn't scratch. I didn't do mobility. I just go out there and practice, practice and lift. So no scratching, no practice, all that. So you take a beating from. Football, which it is, I was running back inside, running back. So I take a lot of hits from big guys, no scratching, and then you go lift. Like my body was never rotating. Like I just wear and tear mm-hmm. and just not taking care of yourself. It's interesting, right? Like there's no stress mitigation. It's like let's just go stress the body. And, yeah. And, and it, you know, they're, they're good stresses a lot of times. You know, the, the training that we get from sports and the training we get from the weight room, those are – there's a good stresses, but like you, do, we do need like a way to like you know if we're going to overload the body with a bunch of weight on squats, we need a way to like decompress. We, I don't think that's really thought of that much. No, and the resources aren't there really. Depends on how high and what type of level. Like you, you go though, you see those guys in like Alabama. They got like true strength and conditioning coaches. So mm-hmm. like you see, they perform and they're in good shape because. Half they, their day is designed to decompress. The other half of the day is to stress. Exactly. Yeah. But once you go lower level, those Division two, those lower division, the quality of the coaching get lessened because mm. if I'm a good coach, I'm going to go somewhere high. I'm going to get paid because you're dealing with 80, 90 athletes. 90 athlete. So it's like you want to get your money's worth and also be able to – so it gets less. So the service is just not as good. So all the scratching, the relaxing stuff, if you don't already know it on your own – you miss out on it. Mm-hmm. Like I had a roommate in college, best friend still, big into scratching, flexible, but he did it all on his own. Yeah. Like it was, he took the discipline of doing it himself. 
I didn't have that discipline because, again, I was naturally gifted at football. So I could just show up and perform. Mm. So it's like. You'd probably tell him, I don't need all that. Do you, <laughs> yeah, do you do I'm, that? Th- I'm thinking that in my head, but yeah. I'm like, but at the end of the day, had I done it, like mm. I would have been, like I was good, but I could have been great. Yeah. And you just, it's just, I, the knowledge wasn't there. I was an idiot, young kid. I didn't think too much of it. And when you're good at something, it's like, oh, why be great at it? I'm already better than everybody else. So it's like, what's the point of keeping Sometimes it's a little bit of a curse. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And you don't know that until you're smart enough to figure it out. And I learned that later in life once I figured out how to use my body and like what I could do. Like, I'm, I'm in better shape now than when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Like, my body isn't broken. Like, I can run faster, jump higher. And I'm 29 comparing to when I was 22 and 23. I mean, it's yeah. not a big difference, but it's the knowledge factor. Like, I know more now. Like, mm-hmm. I know more about my body, how to use my body, yeah. how to nourish my body. Like, I eat the right things. It's just stuff you don't know unless you know it. Mm-hmm. And I learned it, which is good now, but I probably could have used it back then. <laughs> Compared to when you were focusing on a lot of barbell lifting, um, <clears throat> how has how has your strength changed and how has your body changed? Because I think one thing that – and one thing that a lot of people probably think if they're like, okay, I'm going to do a lot of kettlebell training is because they're not moving as much load. Like compare doing these kettlebell movements to deadlifting 365 or squatting 405, right? You don't have as much load you're working with, so you're going to inherently think like I'm going to lose muscle or I'm not going to mm-hmm. be as strong. What have you found as you've developed your kettlebell skill and strength over the years versus what you were doing before? How does your body compare? So I found a lot – So. The, the biggest mix of something people get is you don't just swing and snatch kettlebells. Like, I lift kettlebells as if I would train with a dumbbell or a, a barbell. Like, mm-hmm. I squat. All the movements that I would do, I do them with kettlebells. So it's not like I'm just swinging. So when people go, you can't build muscle from kettlebells. Well, if you're talking about the kettlebell swing, I you may have a little bit of argument. But I'm not going to the gym and just swinging the bell for three hours. Like, I'm lifting. I'm lunging. I'm squatting. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all the natural stuff. But... For, to answer your question, what did I find? I find that the power and, like, the transition of a swing, like a heavy swing, I don't think is any different from, like, the power it takes to do a heavy deadlift if it's done correctly. Because mm. load is load, and it's just power transferring from your lower to your upper. And if you're doing it correctly, it's the same. Yeah. So I don't need to max out a deadlift to know I can max out a deadlift. Because I'm doing snatches with 125 pounds with one arm. Yeah. I'm guessing the power that it takes to get that from the floor to the top is the same power for you to take the deadlift, what, six inches off the floor. And mm-hmm. I'm bringing something six inches over my head yeah. from the floor. So the power is the same. But for me, to answer your question, I feel like kettlebells allowed me to build a lot of unilateral strength. Mm-hmm which I feel like not a, pe- not a lot of people like to do because, I mean, it's more work. If I got to do 12 lunges on one side, I got to do it on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, all right, it's, I'd rather just do 12 squats and just think, oh, I worked my body that mm-hmm. way. But in actuality, you're not because your dominance, in my, I, I think always think that way. Your dominant size always takes over. Yeah. So it's always getting more work. So you're not equally like balanced mm-hmm. in, my, in my eyes. So I almost do everything in a lot of it. It takes me longer, but I feel equally distributed as far as strength-wise. Yeah, you know, you got like uh, unilateral stuff going on, which just not – people don't always think of that because they're like on like leg extension machines and uh, leg presses and maybe they're doing squat, bench, deadlift and 
so they're not maybe getting that much of it. You also don't really get much um, – you don't really absorb a lot of force in the gym, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're specifically going after it. Like if you're throwing a kettlebell – or you're throwing a uh, medicine ball, rather, one that kind of bounces into like a wall and then you catch it. You're doing like wall balls and you keep catching it and throwing it. If you're doing Olympic lifting, cleans and snatches, mm-hmm. if you're doing plyometrics – you're going to be kind of catching and absorbing force. And this is what a lot of sport is. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think all sports are that way, even if it's you absorbing your own force mm-hmm. from change of direction. But you're getting tons of this in with the kettlebell work. 100%. You were just showing me that lunge where you're like, yeah, I kind of lunge like this. And you're just showing like, it, it's really great to see uh, you just spring into it like, mm-hmm. it like it ain't nothing. And then for me to try it, I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, it's like there's a thousand different things going on in, in one movement. But uh, you know, you're showing this kind of lunge and you took the kettlebell and you, you absorb the force of that kettlebell by picking it up off the ground, rotating, like it was very complex movements. Yeah. And I just think like, I know the lifters probably listen to us sometimes and probably like, man, these guys really, <laughs> they're really falling apart over there. Like I wish they would talk about, like, I would just love for people just to incorporate some of this, you know, maybe at the end of the workout or maybe as a warm up. Just incorporate a little bit of this. It can go a long way. You don't have to get as busted up from your training, uh, maybe as I did. A hundred percent. And you won't, for me, it's like you don't, you won't stop. So a lot of people, their biggest issue with it is implementing and bringing it in. They think it's like, oh, I'm not getting this. How's this helping me get stronger? Every workout shouldn't be about that, though. Just watching you do that snatch, there was no, like, just the weight went up overhead, and I know, like, that kettlebell has to come back down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, that's, I don't know, 70-pound kettlebell, 100-pound kettlebell? What is that? It looks 70, pretty. 72. That one's 72. Oh, There's Jesus. no movement. There's no, like, your body just, you know, you could sit there with a big smile on your face. Fucking <laughs> goals, man. And you're still out here deadlifting. Like, what's that on the hex bar you had? It was, like, 485. It yeah. was without probably a lot of deadlifting, though, right? No, I don't do much. Split stance, too. How often do you do a hex bar deadlift? So I I try no, to implement it. Not split. It's probably like it's like kickstand. It's a kickstand. Yeah. I'll do like every eight to ten weeks. I'll spend a week, maybe a week and a half, and it's not. And even, then you have that kind of strength when you go and do it. Exactly. That's fucking awesome. And and you, what did you say that stance is called? What do you call Kick, that? Kickstand. So that so uh, almost it's mostly like a sprinter stance kind of. Yeah, okay. mostly everything on the front leg, back leg, back legs. There and I would assume that you switch. You go yeah, back you gotta do back the other yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other side. Not all walking around yeah. all crooked. Yeah. But no, that's a that's honestly one right there. That's a good concept that a lot of lifters can take into a lot of the stuff that they're. And that's what I did with the post. I kind of try to tell people like, oh, the power that it mm-hmm. took me to snatch in a staggered stance from that position mm-hmm. is the same that that one rep took. Yeah. You know what's a really cool thing too is we were talking about. You were saying how your girlfriend's a runner and. You one day she just wants to run and she ran eight miles and you just went out there. It's been it was a while since we <laughs> ran her too, off. right? <laughs> hey, but, yeah. but do you, I'll tell the story too because she'll like this. When we did we did the hair, half marathon together, she was way more primed and ready to go than I was. Like uh-huh. I had an issue with my hamstrings. I told you because I I normally run barefoot, but that day I decided, oh, I'm more hocus. Oh. But you can't just go out and <laughs> put on shoes when you've been training barefoot. You know better than this. I and did. When you say barefoot, you mean like the, v- the Vivos, the Vivos, right the now, Vivos like the barefoot the, shoes. Okay. And oh, I probably pissed her off because I was holding her up, but I was in pain because <laughs> I switched <laughs> shoes. Yeah, oh, I know I pissed her off because she was probably like, "He's such a bitch." <laughs> oh man, she. I know she got so <laughs> mad. I, a couple of times, I was like, "Just go." 
I was just <laughs> but I was truly in pain because the shoes, I was this close to just throwing them and just running the whole thing barefoot. Yeah. But I knew better. I, sh- I trained the whole time in these, and I should have just trained in these. But, yeah, she kicked my butt that day. She kicked my butt that day. What made you want to switch to the Hoka's? <laughs> I don't know because she had them. And <laughs> okay. She was saying how great that was. And I like with long runs, you want to feel the cushion sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. the impact of a barefoot it's half annoying. marathon. You're yeah. like, all right, let's get annoying. But you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't. And I knew better. I, I don't know what I was thinking. And that's how it ended. But, Damn. How are your ankles nowadays? Because you've mentioned some of the barefoot stuff. And so yeah. I'd imagine that your ankles and calves and shins are probably They're good stronger. now. They're good now. I do a lot of, like, I probably got some on my page. I do a lot of, like, front-loaded, like, toe squats. Mm. Like, I don't like, I like the, the, the body weight movement of it, but I like the loaded. Like, I'll, Listen, man, here's what we're going to do. I know the 49ers strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> we're going to fucking drive up there later today. We're going to get you a tryout. Give me a tryout. We got to get you back in the game. Dude. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Uh, well, so here's the thing. I was, uh, you know, searching the old Google and stuff. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is you. <laughs> yeah, this is you. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because that's why I was like hesitant because I wasn't 100 percent sure. No, this but, is this freshman year, I think. Yeah, uh, where's uh, he school? at though? This is not. Yo, this is. Bam. I went to. Uh, I went to a JUCO first before I went to. But uh, just um, look at the the strength though. It's like see ya, like bounce, bop. bounce. I try to tackle me. Shit. Fuck <laughs> off, dude. I was like 175 then. I was a yeah. young kid. Got what are you weighing now? Because you are, you are massive. I'm like 198. Really? Yeah. I was thinking you're like 215. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like 198 right now, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm still yeah. big. Hold you're primarily all muscle. You got to see this uh, Barry Sanders move real quick, though. Let me go back a little oh, bit. Oh, he's further. stealing shit from Barry Sanders. <laughs> new watch, dude. This is, this is such a sweet move. Like, this shit gives me the chills for reals. Watch this. And he's like, yeep. <laughs> Say yeet. Angles look pretty good there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that was just a bunch of white dudes on that <laughs> <laughs> That ain't that ain't that hard, you know. Good old football. Yeah. A, I'm good, gonna play some football like my good, dad did. <laughs> good old corn fed boys from Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> that would be sick, um, dude. Yeah, he would he would destroy that hill. Yeah, he'd run up and down that shit like Mm -hmm. nothing. What hill? They got this hill at the uh, 49ers facility because Jerry Rice was like, (laughs) he made it super popular. Just he would just run up a hill, like Mm -hmm. like right. His his warm up would make people throw up. Mm -hmm. So they kind of they created a hill at the uh, at the 49ers uh, practice facility. Super steep. It's like super steep. Tons of fun though. It is a lot of fun to run up and down that shit. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that'd Mm -hmm. be fun. But so going back to these days. Uh, we just showed the, uh, the highlights. Like I would imagine your physique was still pretty insane back then as far as like my standards, right? To you, you were like, I was just working on my performance, didn't care too much about it, but you were jacked, right? Yeah. In the sense of I would bench press and I would squat. That was it. Yeah. So then my, my question is, cause like when I see you doing kettlebells and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way too, there's like, well, shit, I, I need to start doing that. Cause obviously it's working. Right. But my question is, is like, does kettlebells and this is kind of impossible <clears throat> impossible to actually answer but do you think that kettlebells uh works really well for anybody or it's just that your body is built very very well to handle kettlebells so that way you can actually make a lot of progress on it this question stems <clears throat> from um from a boy james smith uh who was talking about when people would see swimmers 
And like, oh, they got big old shoulders. They got big arms. Like, damn, I'm going to start swimming because that's obviously working. Mm-hmm. But swimmers swim because swimming fits them very yeah. well. So do you think it's the same thing for you where kettlebells just happens to fit you extremely well? No, I think it's kettlebells fits everybody. Perfect. Yeah. Because I do a lot. I, got, I did a lot, have a lot of, of clients. Yeah, a lot of different mm-hmm. clients that everybody's in different walks of life. I got a lot. A lot of guys, I'm pretty sure they came from um, from Rogan when Rogan shouted me out. Mm-hmm. A lot of jujitsu guys love kettlebells. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of guys that's in snowboarding, skateboarding, hockey, all sports. Mm-hmm. And they say how well it transitioned to what they do. So I feel like it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. They call it like, uh, I know Rogan gets like really fired up when he talks about like functional training. Yeah. Right. Because he kind of makes fun of like <clears throat> doing uh, like uh, like preacher curls. He's like, yeah, whenever you're going to like save somebody that's like stuck on the other side of the couch. And you're just like, oh, I got to get you up. <laughs> but like a kettlebell, right? You'd be able to rip them. Like, you'd, it, you know, you'd exactly. be able to actually do something with it. So that, that does make a lot of sense. I feel like it's for everyone. And I, and I only know that because of how many people I work with and the different walks of life they do. Everybody does something different, and mm-hmm. they all tell me how well it translates to what they do. So. Yeah, what about um, if people are, like, rehabbing an injury? Because, like, for me, like, I, I, my back's always been kind of my, my limiting factor. So when I'm thinking about your traditional, like, uh, uh, kettlebell swings, right? Like, if, if I'm not careful, if I, like, hip thrust too hard through it, like, I could tweak my back a little bit. So do you have you worked with anybody working through an injury? Yes, most people, and that's where I get a lot of my reviews from people that have back injuries. Because you're not just swinging it. And that's what my programs is not. They're less about the swinging and more about the movement of your body. I'm just Got asking it. you to hold the kettlebell. But the movement is truly what it's all about. It's about moving your body in this direction, opening your hips, and learning how to use your core and how to use your lower back. So now when I ask you to swing it, you understand how to swing mm. it so it doesn't hurt you. Got it. How do you kind of answer the question if someone, you know, uh, sees you in public and they're like, hey, man, you lift? You, you, <laughs> I get that. Like, you kind of like, it's uh, the kettlebell stuff, I think, is like different than lifting, right? It is. It is. In but a way. It is. And I get that a lot. With some, I, it's a couple guys. People know, size you up. They right? see me. They, they size you up. And they're like, oh, you're just standing over there with the kettlebell. I'm like, man, this is what I do. This is what I do. And I, like I said, I still <laughs> lift in the sense of I'm just lifting the kettlebells. Like, I'm still I'm pressing the kettlebells. I'm just not using other instruments. And I think it's better that way because the way the weight is distributed in the kettlebell, it challenges you to, to use more than you think about. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think, like I always tell people, it doesn't, it's brainless to do a bicep curl. Like, I, you can teach mm-hmm. a toddler how to do that. They mm-hmm. only have to think about it just to do it. They just do this. Like, it's natural. But when you put movements where you have to actually think about it, like you press the kettlebell overhead, you can't just press it like a dumbbell because you got to worry about how it sits on your wrist. You got more stuff to think about. So I like I like the challenge of that. Like, and I think you could apply some of these rules to a dumbbell. You know, you, you could, could you could uh, to a barbell and start to get harder. It gets tricky with a dumbbell too because the weight is on mm-hmm. both sides. Right. When the weight's like distributed at the bottom, it's a little different. It's a little. It's a lot different. Yeah, and you can like like we talked about, you can pass the weight back from like one side to the other, yeah. or you know, it gets that flip, and then again, you have to kind of absorb yeah, you, that. You got to know how to absorb it, and how you, there's like techniques to it. You can't like you see some people do kettlebells, and then you see me doing. You like movements look more fluid, but I started that way. I just mm-hmm. had I learned how to like. There's people, mind you, I have no like. There's kettlebell certs you can get. Right. I have none of them. <laughs> I love that. Everything I've done, I've learned through myself. Like, there's some 
there's some coaches like there's this coach, Coach Darius. He's a a black guy that teaches kettlebells, so and that's like a rare in mm-hmm. the world. And he's pretty good, and I like him. And I do some of his master classes. But other than that, I've never done any like I've all self taught. So it's like it can be done. You just got to figure out how you want to do it and just apply yourself. Something I noticed in the gym, sorry to cut you off. One, yeah. one thing I noticed in the gym is that you had respect every time you picked the kettlebell up. Like, it didn't matter what weight it was. I never saw you just, like, grab it and say, hey, I'm going to show you this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you stood over top of it every time, grabbed it, like, with good form. And I think that that's where people, that's how people get hurt with yeah. stuff like that. Because you look at the kettlebell and you're like, you know, I, I, I normally deadlift 275, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and you see the kettlebell and it's this tiny little thing and it might only be 30 pounds. But yeah. You got to be careful. You definitely got to be careful because the way you hold it, the way the way you move your body, you got to make sure you're always engaged because you can throw your back out. Just as easy as you can get better. Just stay a little closer to the mic. Just as though. easy as you can get better in your movement quality, you can get hurt as well. Yeah. But that's why it's important to address it with the knowledge of knowing what you're doing and knowing why you're doing it. But like I said, that's why a lot of the movements that I do and I have people do, you can easily put the kettlebell down and do those same movements. Mm-hmm. I put the kettlebell in it because it makes it more interesting. Yeah, that's what I did today because <laughs> you were showing some complicated stuff, or at least it was complicated to me. And I was like, I don't know if I'll even get that with the kettlebell. Let me, <laughs> let me try to not yeah. get it without, without, without and, the and the movement, it does what it needs to do without it. So, right. I mean, it works out. You know, it's funny. <laughs> on the talk of lack of respect for weights, there was two years ago, I was warming up on deadlifts, sumo mm. deadlifts, and I was just like doing 135, then 225. And when I picked up the 225, because I was being lazy with it, I pulled something in my back. It was like I, I picked it off the ground and whoop, and boom, I was done because I wasn't respecting the fucking yeah, load. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you got to do that shit. No, definitely with the kettlebell, especially with it. But one thing that's really cool about kettlebells, too, is not, number one, you can get very big and very strong working with just kettlebells. Absolutely, that's a fact. But you can do movements that typically wouldn't be approachable. Like a barbell snatch for general population is a movement that you really have to have time to train different aspects of that. But a kettlebell snatch, not like you could you be able to get on session one, but you can attain the skill of being able to do a kettlebell snatch fairly quickly and still work with all those different mechanics of the hip and the shoulder. You get all of that. Mm-hmm. You're bringing up a good yeah. point. Like a front squat is actually really, really difficult for me. But a front squat with the kettlebells in the rack position, because like a rack position is even hard for me. But with the kettlebells, it's not bad. Uh-huh. It's a much easier. So, yeah, you're bringing up a really good point. You can, It can help get you – like that position looks awesome. And we were talking in the gym about how these positions you're like – you can kind of see. Like you're gently getting pushed into – a good range of motion rather than being like forced. Force, There's something yeah. about the barbell being on your back and having your arms kind of pinned back that way where it's like squishing you down. Yeah. It doesn't look the same and it certainly doesn't feel the same. Yeah. It's there's 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 a lot to it. And it's it's the thing is too, when you started picking up kettlebells, what did you notice was a change in terms of like your ability to work with different movements with the barbell. Because with barbells, <laughs> you do get to work explosive strength in different aspects. But with kettlebells, you're really throwing that weight around. Mm. And I would assume that like when you do barbell stuff now, it has transitioned over. Your ability to explode has transitioned over pretty well. It has. with the, And more so I see it with um, my like deadlift. Mm-hmm. It's just when you get in these positions where you're, you normally want little to no movement, it's possible, like you might pull like a big deadlift. You mm-hmm. want to feel like locked in, 
but if you ever in that position, you can feel your your body rotate a little bit. Like being able to feel that and yeah. know you can do that, it helps you get the bar up. Mm-hmm. Because if you're really stuck and you're stuck and you're going straight up, you feel stiff. You yeah. don't want to feel stiff. You want to feel like you can move your hips and get under the weight like you're supposed to. Do you feel stiff at all nowadays, by the no, way? No, almost never. No. I feel sore a lot. Yeah, because I train like six days a week, so I'm always a lot sore. Fucking runs twelve miles randomly on the weekend. <laughs> I feel sore yeah. a lot, but like you're a savage. When I feel, you feel it. A three ninety five split squat. Oh yeah, I did that this morning. Before you <laughs> it's crazy. You said yeah, you think you can probably split squat more than you can do with a regular. Oh, a hundred percent. It's wild. Wow. Really? But I, I train it. I train it. Uh, what mm-hmm. I liked when you were showing us some of the stuff in the gym uh, so far today, I know you're going to show us other stuff, but like uh, what I'm really liking <clears throat> from you is that you're, you, you're really utilizing both legs, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. like I tend to forget, like if I'm going to do something unilaterally, I'm not really thinking about the other leg or the yeah, other yeah. arm that's involved in it. It's like, well, that plays a big part in it too. It does. And you want to feel it. There's a certain position, like I say, with the, the split squat, I want to feel that opposite. Like, yes, I'm trying to work my front leg, but I need to make sure this glute is engaged and my hip is locked because I don't want that back leg to move and I need to make sure my core on this side is locked in. Like the anti-rotation of that piece, I need to make sure that's locked in as well. Oh, this is the movement movement we were talking about. Yeah, this looks sick. That looks great. So this is really cool. Like something like this, I don't see this from other people, but like – what was going through your mind when you started doing this? And for some of this, like, did you f- see this off of somebody else? Or were you just no. like, <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's all, it's all me combining movements. Like, I, like I, the way I train, I go in the gym, I know I need to do lower body pull and upper body push or vice versa. Mm-hmm. That's how I train. And I just implement, implement movements in those categories. Yep. Lower body pull. Upper body push. Upper, upper body push and... um I would imagine like there's a little crossover sometimes because like the kettlebells kind of work in your They work everything. Body, yeah, right? they do. So th- with me, I... But it's I, just a focus. Yeah. Right, I so. move lateral and I rotate no matter what every day. But the focus sometimes is always lower push, then I'll do upper pull. So that means like rolls and you know, snatches. But my lower push is a lot of the quad work, the squats, the lunges, a lot of that stuff. So you kind of get... So essentially, it's full body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see it that way. I see it as like, oh, I'm pulling, I'm posterior chain this day. So what's, for example, with this, you're working. What's going on here? So it's like, um, it's essentially a single leg row, but uh-huh. I took the the balance portion out of it by mm-hmm. putting my arm on the bench. Yeah, he's got so, one arm down on the bench. Yeah. Typically, with a with a row like this, sometimes somebody has both legs planted on the ground, or they have their knee and their arm on the bench. And, like, what's really brilliant about a lot of this stuff, I don't know how much, like, thought that you put into it. It looks to me like um, – it looks to me like there has been a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. It looks like you think about this day and night. Uh, all day. <laughs> but it looks like, like – what I like about it, though, is that it looks like you've just been playing with it for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. And you, you probably sit at home and you're probably like, I wonder if I, you know, mix this with this. But this is yeah. this is a, what I like to call anti-rotational. Yeah. So you have to break – like – I think people don't understand. Like, that looks so easy. That looks so simple. But that is a very, very difficult movement. And to really brace your body as you go to pull that kettlebell up, you have to flex your stomach like crazy and your butt on the back, on that back leg. And that's what is probably getting the most work out of this whole exercise is my butt, my glutes, and my opposite leg. Yes. Because you see me trying to make sure it drives up and be locked in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love people like you, man. You're a genius, I think. I think in a lot of ways you are like you're this is like an artistic expression I think. Yeah. 
and again, it's just there's there's so many things you can do, and it's not limited. Like someone created a kettlebell, someone created a barbell, but a kettlebell with a kettlebell, and I'm not trying to shit on barbells, but <laughs> you can do so many more things. All the movements you can do with a barbell, you can do with a kettlebell, but then there's so much more you can add to it, especially all the single leg stuff you're doing. Like some people can do suitcase deadlifts with barbells, and there are some type of you know there are you could do single leg deadlifts with a barbell, but with a kettlebell, there's so much more you can add to it. You know, there's more of a core aspect of it. Yeah, like everything is about your center of gravity and how well you can stable yourself while mm-hmm. doing these mm-hmm. movements. Because there's there's different ways. Like you can see some people do the movies and they look a little bit more sloppy because they're not as centered or their core strength or their stability is not That's there. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just getting doing it more. Yeah, understanding when you need to brace and when you need to release because it's constant with a kettlebell. It's never you're never holding a position like you say. You absorb and you give force, so it's constantly like give and take, give and take, and give and take, knowing when to do it. And it's great for young people, but especially for individuals like you, you've said you had older clients, yeah. but for people who are getting older, the balance aspect, the mm-hmm. core stability aspect, the rotation, it, you'll just, you're doing all these things. You're going to age well. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's it, like you said, it's good for the youth because a lot of the youth kids in sports that you don't want to have those kids, like as much as we put them under bars, mm-hmm. you don't want to put those kids mm-hmm. under bars that young yeah. and have them start getting the pains that we got from lifting heavy and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I see some of these high school kids, they're maxing out squats. The squats, it's not even about the quality. It's about just getting away. I was like, well, that was mm-hmm. a poor squat. So yep. he probably shouldn't have been doing it. <laughs> like I would rather him do a better quality squat and get into a depth than to see him squat 500 pounds. Meanwhile, the team goes quarters. crazy and everyone's all crazy. excited. They go it's crazy. Like, and I'm like, oh, I was like, that rep's not that great. And you probably shouldn't have posted that video. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, all right. that but that's the difference from mm. a standpoint of worrying about the weight and movement quality. Because at the end of the day, that three-quarter squat is not going to transition to when he needs to push yeah. his ass on the field or to block somebody. Yeah, that full than, range of motion right. would have done it, mm-hmm. but you gotta just get it out of the weight. Thing. Rather than posting that lift, maybe you're posting your touchdown. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, there you go. And you, like because uh, the opposite of like you know that 500 pound squat would be you executing the 36 pound kettlebell mm-hmm. perfectly, which no Perfect, one would, man. no one might be that excited about. Exactly, <laughs> you know? I'll be excited about it. <laughs> yep, we'll be excited for you. Yeah, what's uh, I just I can't get over is like it looks like your foot or your knee is like hitting an invisible wall with how much control you have right here. It just stops out of nowhere. Like I just, I've been like looping it over and over (laughs) and over. Just like how it like trying to find like, what's the secret here? But it looks, you you are under so much control. CGI. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The the, the new iPhone camera is a motherfucker. (laughs) But, uh, so like, I'm, this is another like silly question, but like, do you ever specifically train like your abs, like for core strength or anything like that? Like, it's not necessary, right? No, that's like a joke. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I say it's a silly question that's because, well, because like again, going back to like traditional like weight room stuff, yeah. you gotta gotta work your abs. You gotta do leg lifts and all these other mm. you know subpar movements. But with a kettlebell, it's not like. It just happens as like a side effect, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying. If you learn how to use your core when the brace, with every movement, you're using your core. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a strong core. And if you're eating healthy and everything, you'll develop the physique or the mm-hmm. abs that you're looking for if you're, all those things fall. But if you're 
training the kettlebell the way you're supposed to, you're always working your core mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Every movement. So you don't need that stuff. And mm-hmm. I just don't. It's just not in my forte. It's like, and that's the same thing with like the bicep curls and try. It's like, I see it as wasted time. Like it's effective for more sports that needs it. Like bodybuilders, they need that direct. Like I get it, but yeah. I get like most clients, I get an hour with them. I'm not letting them bicep curl. <laughs> I need a movement that I can get more out of mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, they may have goals to like lose weight and me doing bicep curls with them is not going to get it. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you can still, you're still incorporating movements that's going to have them using their bicep, but having them use all these other things. Exactly. Because I'm thinking like there's going to be somebody listening that's like, well, you know, you're doing this movement. You could just move more weight and do, put more weight into a specific muscle if you just did just a row or if you just did just a bicep curl. But the ability of having the body work together to stabilize while also moving a specific load, you can develop that muscle, but you're also going to develop more longevity that like all of the longevity, the mobility stuff is all baked into the way that you're moving. Yep. And that's what I was, I would mean, him was talking about this earlier with like certain, with like the bicep thing as far as just rowing. And mm-hmm. like, I love rowing and I do a ton of rows, like different types of split stands. And I think to me, that's more effective for your, bicep than a curl because yeah, i can yeah. i can roll probably over 120 pounds i probably can't curl past like 60s mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying so it gets into a point where it becomes more effective and your workout length man because you we were talking about you just randomly going out and running eight miles the fact that you were just able to do that even though it might have been a bit slower shows that you are getting your heart rate up while you're doing these workouts. So what does that kind of look like? Your rest periods, the length of the workout, how how high do you think your heart rate's getting? It probably gets up there. Yeah, yeah. And then you see a lot of these people crack me up. They'll be like, oh, what are you putting, like, baby Baby oil? oil? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, 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 all right. And it's like, to me, it's like. Both you guys, you got that (laughs) glisten. It's like, use your common sense, bro. I'm swinging kettlebells. You think I'm about to have baby oil around these cells? (laughs) Myself up real quick. Baby oil don't just wipe off. So if oil gets on the kettlebell and it slips, like. I'm in my house. I was going to say, yeah, like, you're in your like, you, living room. Like, use your so, common sense, bro. So, hey, done. Just, please just tell us what kind of baby oil it is. That, yeah, <laughs> no, no. Obviously, it has grip, but still shiny. Somehow. No, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> we know, we you, know. You we get know into swinging a kettlebell like five or ten minutes, listen, the way the sweat comes, it's like, you. It's, it's insane. And then you go into a, a strict lift, you, uh-huh. you're dying in there. Yeah. <laughs> it stresses the fuck out of your body. Yeah, it does. Well, everything's, you're working... The mental, like you can see if you, I'll give you an example, not even weights. You put, like I was, you were doing some of the mobility mm-hmm. stuff. You're starting to sweat a little bit, oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So right away. We're not even doing weights. It's just the <laughs> thinking piece of it. Like yes. your body's just working. It's challenging on so many different levels. And in some ways, like, you know, you have to, you have to think about it a lot because you're like, for me, I was moving in some ways that I don't normally move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of it. Like I have certain things in my body that are still tight. I got certain pain in certain areas. So I got to think about it a lot. And as you go through it, you're like, what hurts? And something might kind of hurt just a little bit as you're doing the movement. And that'll increase your body temperature too. Exactly. And that's what, that's what happens. <laughs> what, how much is that weight that you're putting first off over your head? And then not just. I think it's 40 kg. You're squatting down with that oh shit, God. bro. And that is a little bit like a. Yeah, they call it like a Saxon press or something like that, right? It's like a little, little bit like that, but you got a different version of it because you're you're actually squatting the hips down super low. Sheesh. 
But you're just kind of like when you're doing this stuff, like I know we talked about you, you do think about it a lot, but um, you're probably just going like somewhat off of feel too, right? Feel, yeah. And that's what it, and that's what it became. I started to try to move in ways that were, that I was, wasn't able to move. So I was mm-hmm. putting my body in these movements and loading it and using the load to give me the range of motion. And eventually you get the mobility of it. Yeah. You know what's really cool, though, man? Like you mentioned that you have no certs. And number one, I like that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, if, if, you, if any trainers are out there, you want to get certs, get certs. But the cool thing I like about that is, you, you know, with certain certifications, there's movements and whatever. And there's like things that they also say, don't do this and don't mm-hmm. do that. And that's what I disliked about them, the, the way they preach. Because they, w- they were frowned upon the way I typically train. Mm-hmm. The movements I do, they don't see them as being like ethical, and I'm like, all right, well, okay, but they because they want you to stay in that realm of how they coach and how, which is great for them. But for me, this is what works for me. This is what gets me excited and ready to work out every day, and that's more yeah. so what I think it should be about. If I doing what they do, I would get bored with it. I would have stopped already. Mm-hmm. I would like, say I would say one thing too is I think that w- the what you're doing and how you're doing it I think is uh, it's kind of almost insulated from injury and I know you can hurt yourself doing anything oh, I'm yeah, sure yeah. that you have tweaked stuff here and there but like somebody's either going to be mobile enough to do that and strong enough to do that or they won't be able to do the exact representation of what you're doing so in these certifications a lot of times they're like no that's the wrong way to do it and the wrong way is usually judged by like sometimes a rounded back because they think someone's going to get hurt. Uh, but again, to my point is that if somebody's watching you on TikTok or Instagram, they're checking out what you're doing, when they go to mimic what you're doing, it's going to be extremely rare for somebody to be strong enough and mobile enough. And if they are strong enough and mobile enough, they most likely aren't going to hurt themselves anyway. Yeah. So play around with it, have fun with it and experiment. And if something feels sketchy, <laughs> something feels wrong, fucking back away, man. Back off, back off of it. And that's what people say when I get the reviews back. Cause I get a ton of reviews on my program and stuff. They've said, Oh, I started with lighter weight than I would have wanted to, mm-hmm. but it's still gave me like the best workout it's like thank god and i feel <laughs> and it's like i feel the movement and i'm getting better each and each week with the movement and i love it yeah and just like i've seen you do certain things and i after i saw you i was like why have i not been doing that shit it's like you know you'll do certain kettlebell things and you'll jump with the kettlebell yeah or mm. you'll jump with like you were just jumping with the uh the staggered stance or you just bar. trap bar deadlift trap. you're just jumping with that right so the the thing is, is number one, like you're not limited in terms of the type of movements you're doing. First off, all these tools have been made up. We made these tools yeah. up. And then certain people are like, okay, well, let's, we made this tool. Let's put some rules around the yeah. way this tool is used. Like, no, you don't have to put a so rule. So we can monetize it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to put a rule around the way that you use a kettlebell mm-hmm. or a barbell. There are some safe concepts that yes. you want to have, yes. right? But outside of that, fucking explore and play around with it. And figure out like what your body's able to actually do. Exactly. And when you get pe- when you tell people stop exploring, that's when you kind of lose it. And like that's what I get frustrated with people because there's a lot of like fitness influencers. The way they coach is like telling people, oh, don't do this, don't do this. Which I'm fine with when it comes to like within the route of are they being safe. But you got to understand the generation we're in. You can't tell people to stop moving. People already don't move enough. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would you be, no, don't stop. Figure out how you can do it without hurting yourself yeah. or figure out how it's going to be effective for you. But don't 
ask people to stop or do this because the moment you tell me stop, I'm doing something wrong. I'm going to stop, mm-hmm. and it may be get, get maybe hard to get me back exercising or back into it. And I figured out the most important thing is people got to be excited to show up. Oh yeah, because you may have the best program in the world, but you can't get me to show up, and I'm not excited to do it. I don't get the results of it. But if this trainer can get me excited, and I come consistently, mm-hmm. we're going to figure something out eventually. Yeah, and. That's more so what it's about, the longevity of it. But you lose people when you you got those, like, really brainiac trainers that are, like, <laughs> like psychopedia type, which is I think is great. Like, you, it's great that you know that, but don't think your client wants to know it. Yeah. Like, I, dude, this guy got three kids, a wife that drives him nuts, and he got a job. He doesn't care about <laughs> the science of what you're trying to teach him. And once you understand that, you Why become a better coach. Why would someone's wife drive them nuts? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Man, I, I, my wife doesn't run anything with no. any mm-hmm. girls like that. I've never. Mm. Interesting. Maybe what? she makes him. <laughs> Do you not like women? <laughs> no. no, no. no. I'm, I'm, so I've, I got a couple of clients that and I'm referencing. <laughs> I'm referencing something, yeah, but I'm saying that's you don't need to do that, and yeah, that's how you keep people excited to show up, and that's how I try to keep, create my programs because they excite me. So when mm-hmm. I give them to people and they're excited about, it. and when I read my reviews, they're like, "It's new." Like someone said other, something the other day, it was like I felt empowering, and I was like, "Oh man, that's like mm-hmm. the best compliment you can give me from a programming standpoint," because that's like. Think about that. You made someone that's never really into exercise feel, yeah. feel empowering about exercising. Dude, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I also know you mentioned that you, like, you know, you were having Mark and I do some stuff in the gym without the kettlebell, but you're very mobile and yeah. you're very flexible. Do you, uh, do you do any of that stuff outside kettlebells or do you use kettlebells to help you get into different positions and express that mobility and flexibility? Kettlebells. I use kettlebells to help me get in these positions. And I'll, a lot, I'll do really, some of the, some of the movies you got to really load to be able to get deep in them. Mm. And once you're in those, at that range of motion that you don't have and you're in it, yeah, you sit in it, you isolate it, and you work it, and you start training it. And eventually you get that mobility piece of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can hold 88 pounds over my head and get into a deep squat because I've been working it. Yeah. But it's developed over time. We've seen Olympic lifters do that. Olympic yeah. lifters, they kind of bounce at the bottom. They kind of hang out there. Um, they might have the weight in like a front rack position with like just the bar. Then they'll push the bar overhead and they'll just keep kind of messing around. They they stay down they real sit, low. Yeah. And sometimes they'll even go off to one side. I've seen them do that. I've seen I've them. Seen, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, I've seen them put the bar, like they'll put their bar actually on their legs. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. And they'll rotate their hips around mm-hmm. and kind of just keep moving and they. They just stay down there. And yeah. most of them have, when it comes to that particular lift, they have some good uh, mobility. I'd like for everybody to kind of think about something for a moment. And this is what's kind of popping into my head as I'm watching you do a lot of these movements. If you were to think about, like, if there was a me- way to measure the length, the distance that your muscles moved for a particular day, it looks like what you're doing, your muscles are moving a tremendous amount, like, like miles worth of training. When you think of a bicep curl or a tricep pushdown, that would be the equivalent of just like a small stride, like a small step. But what you're doing is these are like giant leaps of, of the body being used and expressed in a, in a full pattern because you're picking the weight up off the ground, right? So if we pick – and you're not always picking the weight up off the ground, but most of the time you're picking the weight up off the ground. If you pick a weight up off the ground 
and you just brought it to your if you just brought it to your side, that would be like a deadlift. You that represents a certain distance that you move the weight. You move the weight sixteen inches, I don't know, however tall you are, right? <laughs> when you pull it up towards your upper body, you then moved it probably close to double that distance. Now you pressed it overhead, or in your case, sometimes you're moving your body also around the weight over and over again. So while the isolation exercises have their merit because we can like isolate, we could put tension on that muscle and we can get hypertrophy from it. What you're doing, I think, just has a tremendous benefit from the metabolism standpoint because the whole body is getting worked almost every single time, <laughs> almost on every single exercise. And so as as you're talking, I'm like, man, there's there's no real way to like register some of this or – or have it make sense. But to me, that was kind of what was making sense. It's almost like I'm kind of envisioning uh, that uh, that tape that people would use, yeah. that athletic tape where people had the tape on their on their body after they get like worked on and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and in this case, that tape is being stretched out all the way, almost on every exercise, almost all the time. And that's the way I see it. Like if I'm if I'm training upper body, I don't believe in my lower body just being stagnant and dead. That's why a lot of times you see me do like the single leg braids, then I'll do the press. Because mm-hmm. I feel like why not involve like this? It's a motor. Get everything working together. Why not involve that and get that full body work instead of just standing there and just doing a press? Because if I just stand here and do a press, I'm not going to think about how my lower body is engaging. I'm just going to mm-hmm. only do this. But if I put myself where I'm isolating and my legs are feeling like pressure now and there, there's a little bit of pressure where I'm feeling like my quads involved. Now yeah. I'm pressing. Then you get the full motion from you'll feel it from your quads through your lat through the press instead of just standing here just pressing. Mm. And I like that. I mean, it, that works for me. I don't like to feel like stationary. Like you said, I, don't, I probably don't care too much for the machines because I feel like the motion of my lower body is like dead. Like I mm-hmm. wanted to be involved because there's parts of it that I probably could use. Like people, when people bench press, like a lot of people don't mm-hmm. know how to use their lower body. Mm-hmm. Because it's, they don't know how to get involved. But if you start to train in a way where you want to feel from the floor up in every exercise, mm-hmm. you're so much stronger. Right. And an important aspect of it, too, is, you know, again, if I'm thinking of like if just from a bodybuilding perspective, again, one would be like, well, you know, over time, you're going to be able to progress that press much faster. But with what you're doing, you're doing a lot of the stuff with 80, 100 pounds. Right. And it took you a while to, uh, to progress it to that point. But now you're progressing your whole body to be able to handle that over time. Exactly. The progression of the weight might take a little bit longer, but by the time you're at the place where you're as strong as you are, there's no way in hell that you're still going to be small. Like to get to that level of strength, right? You have to develop muscle. You have to develop strength to be able to do it. Might take a little bit longer, but the the ability that you'll have to control your whole body with load is going to be much more beneficial than only pressing a dumbbell overhead and bringing it back down. True. And that's to your point with the building muscle thing. And you we, we figure this out when we get into lifting about with like uh powerlifting and bodybuilding mm-hmm. with, there's like a thin line of building muscle where you almost got to be ready to push it to the point of overtraining. And that's why you see some people like I never gain muscle, but they also believe like, Oh, I don't want to overtrain. <laughs> you gotta be willing to give a little bit like there's obviously when you're putting on a lot of muscle you're gonna overtrain and you're gonna reach the point where you're almost at an injury but you're also gonna put on a lot of muscle mm-hmm. because you're loading that muscle a certain way mm-hmm. and people don't want to go to that point so you see like they never put on size but in actuality 
they just don't train hard enough. There's an aspect of that. Yeah. <laughs> there is an aspect where people don't push themselves hard enough when it comes to weights. Because there's there's that point where you will reach an injury mm-hmm. or you will overtrain. I mean, you just got to me, when I first got into lifting, I wasn't afraid. I was like, I'm gonna push it. I wanna get bigger. I wanna get obviously I dealt with injuries, but I got on muscle as as I wanted to. Yeah. But some people just don't want to risk it to that point. So but to your point back to the kettlebell stuff, when you always are involving each muscle group then you always work in the muscles. So you don't have to worry about, am I going to be overtraining to the point where, but you always, you always exercise in the way you train. Like I train pretty much full body every day, but my body yeah. can handle it now. Pat Roger family. How's it going? We talk about sleep all the time on this podcast. That's why we were partnered with eight sleep mattresses. Now this mattress is the Tesla of sleep. It's the Tesla of beds. It's technology tracks your heart rate, your heart rate variability. It changes its own temperature based off the way you sleep so that you get better sleep every single night. It is quite literally insane. Check them out. Andrew, how do they get it? Yes. And before I do that, I wanted to let you guys know that you can actually set the bed to wake you up silently. I know that sounds weird, but actually the bed starts vibrating vibrating around your head and it doesn't wake up the entire household the way my phone used to do back in the day. So now I just kind of have the bed wake me up silently and it's amazing. You guys got to head over to 8sleep.com slash power project. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash power project. When you guys go there, you'll see a banner across the top saying that you're going to receive $150 off automatically. So again, that's 8sleep.com slash power project to receive $150 off your pod pro cover or your pod pro cover and mattress combo. Links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes let's get back to the podcast mm-hmm. i just feel like we got so much shit wrong <laughs> you know when i look back at a lot of things and again i don't have any problem with like isolation like getting a pump and you were even saying like i gotta find some movements for my biceps because it's fun <laughs> just to get like okay yeah my bicep actually worked like there's something in our brains that really enjoys some of those movements um but even the thing of like you know, ice, you know, isolate your arms. Oh, no, no, don't, don't move that way. Like you just worked other muscles. And it's like, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> I, I just, you mean that I, I swung my body around the weight and I used more muscle? Like that sounds beneficial. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> like, let me do it that way. You know, let me grab, you know, 80 pound dumbbells and like, why not swing around? As long as you're not going to be in a position where we're like, Hey man, I actually think you're going to like completely fuck yourself up. But you do have to push yourself to a certain extent anyway. And then why is it okay in certain movements, not okay in others? Like a kettlebell, you swing a kettlebell around. Like you can't kettlebell train at all unless you swing the kettlebell. Mm-hmm. There's always a swing in there. Even when you're bringing it up into a, into a snatch or a clean, like there's always some sort of swing. It's got to swing around. But then when you lift weights, for some reason, we're not allowed to swing those. <laughs> You can't swing uh, a weight uh, and, and press it overhead. God forbid you. God forbid you go to this side. Mm-hmm. You go to your right side with the kettle with the dumbbell in your right hand, and then you press it up and you shift your shoulders to one side and you use your core. And I do that a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then what would be the problem with like getting into a split stance on that, or what would be the problem in just raising one leg? You know, why not? Like, just I don't know. Make it more challenging. Make it more fun. Make it a little different. And that's the those the rules he was saying people create it when they make these, and that's what I I break them, and if, if I'm not getting hurt, <laughs> break them, <laughs> and I'm not getting hurt, then it's fine. And that's my thing with if I if someone can do something, they can enjoy it and they benefit from it, and they're not hurting themselves. Let them do it. I think mm-hmm. it would be almost harder to hurt yourself because you got the whole body involved. You exactly. Know? Do you see the video I sent you about Teofimo Lopez the other day? Mm, I'm not sure. It was from this uh, guy. 
his name on YouTube is let's see mind smash he made a video about uh teofimo lopez is this boxer who's super fucking fast like he has amazing hands but when he lifts weights have you guys you know you you've gone to the gym before and you see the guy in front of the mirror fucking like mm-hmm. like using momentum to lift right yeah, like, what's the guy doing but <laughs> when teofimo lifts that's all he like everything is like Everything's like that with everything he does. And he's built muscle, but you see him in the ring and he's still he's still bouncy because and there's there's people that think the aspects of why he still has that athleticism is because when he lifts and he does bicep curls in these movements, he's not trying to like just perfectly isolate the bicep Mm -hmm. because when you punch, it's it's everything's going with it. So when he lifts, everything's going with every aspect of what he's Mm. doing in the gym. So he doesn't lose that lose that connectivity between the movement and the muscle. So it, it, there is something there that like, you know, is very beneficial, not just for building muscle, but also for building potential explosiveness and movement ability. Right. I agree. I think we, like I said, I think we got it all fucked up. Well, I think it's, it's just more so like longevity. Cause you think about it from a, like we keep talking about the curl. So mm-hmm. you have someone just curl this motion by yourself. Yeah. Say you do that forever. Eventually, you, you're never moving your shoulder in this. So have someone mm-hmm. curl and do this. And do the full range of the motion. Because mm-hmm. your body's supposed to be able to do this. If, yeah. I, tra- if I train, eventually I'm going to get an injury this way. Because if I didn't move this way as much as I was moving this way, something's going to be... You're neglecting something. Exactly. So yeah. why not just do the full range? And that's what I do with my lifts. Everything is about from top to bottom. The one argument I'd have in the reverse of that, like to play devil's advocate, would just be that like... Doing some stuff on machines is a nice, fairly safe way. Like, I think people can bodybuild forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you can bodybuild forever. But that would that would be something I would be cautious of in your bodybuilding efforts would be try to make sure you're not neglecting stuff. So yeah. if you are doing some isolation stuff, just make sure you're working in some full range stuff and make sure that you're – make sure that like when you're working on trying to get better that you have a wide spectrum of things that you're trying to get better at. You don't want to try to get better at too many different things at one time, but – if you currently, if you if you're currently a lifter and you have pain daily, back pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain, knee pain, start to figure out ways of getting out of it. And I, what I'm learning is that a way to get out of that is to be able to move better. It's not necessarily my elbow; mm-hmm. it's my entire body. I need to be able to move my entire body better because my elbow, much like you know, I'm not a fucking baseball pitcher, but like much like a baseball pitcher. A lot of times they're ending up with tightness in their hips that's causing the issue of them getting uh, just kind of particular injuries in their elbow because of the way their body's moving when they're doing the motion. So for all of us, it's not just the way that we're standing or the way that we're lifting. It's sometimes the way that we're walking, sometimes the way that we're resting, sometimes the way that we're sleeping. Like it really carries over into every step. And so that's why I think it's important to examine it. But I do think you can get some isolation work in and still build the muscles and still bro out and have a good time. Mm-hmm. But, man, make sure you're addressing some of these other things so that you can continue to move well and to continue to be strong in your day-to-day life. And that's what it is. And I, like other people, they see it as, like, tedious. Mm. If I'm doing that type of training and I know why I'm doing this to build bigger biceps, what the hell am I doing the mobility piece for? And you, can, it doesn't seem tangible. Like, what am I gaining out of this? Mm. So it's hard to get them the concept and get them to understand, like, you gaining the ability to have the full range and to be able to do that bicep curl longer. 
Because at some point, you're going to get an injury from continuing to do that motion and not training this other range of motion. So it's hard to get them there. And that's what I did with the kettlebells. I started using them. I put them in people's hands because I was like, if I give you a 10-minute mobility thing and you have no weights, you're, not less, you're less likely to do it because oh, yeah. it doesn't seem interesting. It's like, what the hell am I doing this? But if I can make you think you're working out, <laughs> you're going to do it. <laughs> you're going to do it. So you almost like manipulate a little yeah. bit. It's like, all right. This felt like a little workout. Like, yeah. I didn't waste 10 minutes of my $140 session stretching. You know what I mean? So, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit, you got to get people thinking they're doing more than what they are. Give them what they want. Yeah. Really give them what they need. It's tough, man, when people uh, come up to you and they talk about an injury and you start to give them ideas of, of what they could do to help fix it. They really just it's very rarely like some of the stuff they want to hear. You yeah. know, I think, I think maybe in some way they would love to hear like, keep doing that, you know, do more volume for that, but like reduce the weight, <laughs> like continue to do your curls, like go for it. Sounds great, but just, you know, use less weight or something. Or they just think that the pain is somehow going to subside. And it's like, it's not going to go away. There's some sort of, there's some sort of movement pattern that you ingrain that's not working properly. And the movement pattern that you ingrained is probably from, years of lifting a particular way and not really ever addressing these things. So now you're starting to walk with your feet pointed out. Now you're starting to walk with your shoulders forward. And now it's like it's creeped into your day to day. It's like, we need your posture to be better. We need Mm -hmm. like, and it sucks, right? It's a (laughs) shitty thing because it's like, I was trying to tell you about my elbow pain, man. You made fun (laughs) of the way that I fucking stand and walk. But that's how you address these things. And that's what it is. It's, It's hard. And that's what, it, at the end of the day, it's going to require work and discipline from this. The same thing with telling people, when people ask you, how do I lose weight? Or how, like, people ask me all the time, how do you stay so lean year-round? I'm like, I can tell you what I do, but in actuality, I know for a fact, because not a lot of people do it. You don't want to live the life that I live. It's how disciplined I am and how strict I am. It doesn't interest you. It doesn't allow you to live in the way that you've been living your whole life. For me, it works for me because I enjoy it. I love it. Like yeah. I don't, I don't lose. I, it excites me, like how, how, how I can get leaner, how I like, challenge my body, how I can perform better. Like that stuff excites me. It may not interest you, so it's like I can tell you, but you don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you mean about this life. You see people's eyes drift when you start to tell them the actual truth of what it is that you yeah, do. Right? Like, you don't oh, want to know. Yeah. You, you don't know. You don't want to know. Like I don't. I tell and I tell this to trainers all the time. You get trainers like how you become so. Uh, passionate and listen about listen. I'm like, cause it's my life, man. Like this, I love this. Is what I love doing, and you get a lot of trainers that uh that don't get a lot of success, and they figure they think it's because of like the way they look. I'm not jacked enough. I'm not. Well, if, if you're gonna do something and be passionate about it, people need to see that passion, and they're not gonna always talk to you. So if it's not showing in like what you show them, then they're not interested. Mm. So like like I said, I, my biggest thing with people is I I don't talk on my social media. But people like are moved by how they see me move, and and I don't even have to say a word because they see the passion and they see the effort and the discipline in my body language and my physique. Obviously, the way I look, but like there's proof behind what I'm doing. There's also a complexity behind what you're doing. <laughs> it is, you know, it's it's not easy, and that's that's what you get. And like, there's the training world on the internet is like insane. You get it's so many different lanes. You get trainers that the brainiac trainers that. But you got to understand what lane you're in. And I figured that out in early on. Like, I don't want to be, like, there's so many trainers that aren't really trainers. 
like I've trained, I work a full time training job. Like I work with people, I help people. Like I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But you get on the internet and they see you like Jack. It was like, oh, that guy's probably don't know how to teach people. He don't know how to train. Dude, don't don't buy into that. Like I know what I'm doing. Trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know what I'm doing. I'm just not just because I have the muscles in the look. Don't think that I don't have the knowledge. Trust me, I do. Yeah, it's 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 so it's so weird. But man. you're gifted, Trey. You're mm-hmm. gifted. I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's not. That's the thing. Like that's what people will say. Don't blame the man for it. Like yeah. the, the steroid like thing look killed at you. me. Yeah, they killed me with. Oh, that. really? They, 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 I I don't get annoyed much, but I think that annoys me because I I I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any like I don't do any of that stuff. I'm like so you, if I'm I won't put alcohol in my body because I think what it does to me. You think I'm gonna do steroids? It's like why challenge me on that? And it's not. It's not even that. It's like. What would it do for me? Yeah. If you can, and that's why I argue. It's like, and you see people and they're like, how can you just look at someone and judge that? We have this conversation <laughs> on the podcast all the time. Dude. Like, it's like, what? That's their, so that's, wait a second. You're telling us that you're natural? <laughs> <laughs> there's no way, man. It's there's, crazy. there's no way. It is. But when you factor in like how I live my life, I don't go out to clubs. I don't, uh, I cook all my food. I'm strictly mostly meat and You've also Fruit. been athlete for how long? My whole life. I run, I jump, I live, I do all this stuff, and I train probably ten to twelve hours a day. I sleep seven, eight, not eight hours a night. It's you like, barely have time for steroids. <laughs> 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 I was like, I was like, do you guys There's really truly you, understand I like know. what what it like? I don't understand. And I was like, when was the last time you ever seen someone that? Take steroids, swing kettlebells in their living room. <laughs> <laughs> so well, sh- right here. <laughs> you know how you know how like mentally you got to be to like shoot up on your couch and lift kettlebells in your room. <laughs> like when you That's think about it, it's like image. it doesn't make sense. Like use your brain a little bit. It's like yeah. why are you using that as a bailout because you don't want to address the fact that maybe you don't eat right, maybe you drink too much, maybe you don't exercise enough. Mm. Maybe if you actually did these things, you can actually see what, like, your genetics could actually do with your body. Yeah. Just because I've figured out how to maximize, and I don't even think I'm at, like, my peak of what my what I should be looking like. I still feel like I'm slacking in some areas. You guys think uh, race plays into it a little bit? Because, like, I know what the <laughs> I know what the white guy, like, a lot of times uh, with white athletes, people discredit their athleticism. So, uh, you know, on the flip side, sometimes with the black athlete, people will discredit the work ethic that might be behind it. Um, I don't know, because, I mean, there's always that one case that trumps that whole idea. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. say, oh, white guy's not fast. I'm like, Chris McAfee's fast. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. It's like there's so if there's one. There's probably a mm-hmm. few more. So it's right. like that trumps that whole like card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can't play that card. And I don't. I, I don't like the genetic piece because it pisses me off. Because it's like, you don't even know where my genetics track back to, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) I don't understand that. Like, I was like, I can show you what my father and my brothers look like. Like, trust me. Like, it's the work is there. It's like, it's a difference. They're not just walking around looking like me Mm -hmm. without the training. Like, it's not happening. Yeah. So, like, don't play that car. I hate that car. I really hate it. Yeah. It's because people, even people like in a respected fitness area, be like, oh, you, you got this genetics. Yeah, but you probably work hard. It's like, give me one or the other. Like, you can't, don't give me both. Like, yeah. Say, yeah, remember how hard, they, you work. remember how hard they played that card with uh, Phil Heath oh. and, and like Ronnie, too? Like, yeah. they're just like, oh, they're just, you know, and it's like, dude, <laughs> I know that these guys are using stuff, but these guys are fucking putting in work. Before, too. Yeah. And that's why I yeah. never, and that's why I never wanted to do the, 
Like I never got into wanting to take steroids because I never wanted to be discredited from like mm. the work that I do put in. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted that to be like respected. Like you don't have to respect. You don't have to like me. Like I'm a real hard nosed guy. Like I'm. I see everything like black and white. But I work. Like I put in work. Like I grind. Yeah. And I always want that to be like something people see and respect. It's just funny that the work you put on has made you look like you're on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that to someone. I was like, uh, I was like, it doesn't, I don't make my argument any better because I'm mostly, I look better than most guys that are on steroids and I'm stronger than most guys that do steroids. So I was like, I don't, my argument is not really strong, but I'm like, dude, I really work out a lot. Like, yeah. Like, I really do this a lot, so kind of give you credit for it. Like, this is the reason why you, you don't talk on social media. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's no point to it it's, No, it's like I, I lose it. Like, it's a losing battle because somebody can know you from, like, nowhere, and they still be like, yep, you're still using. But that's the thing is when it comes to this topic, because we talk about different people that, like, you know, you know that guy Liver King, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, everybody has their opinion on the dude, and we uh, we made a podcast talking about it. And when it comes to if people believe someone's on steroids or somebody's not, if they believe there aren't the person's on steroids, there's nothing that person can do to prove that they're not on steroids. Because if you do a drug test, Dre, all that happened is that if you pass, you cycled off. You know, you used to use in the past <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you yeah. played football, but you just cycled off. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he used drugs, but the muscle he has now, even if he's natural, the only reason he has that muscle is because he used drugs in the past. Mm. Like, there's always, uh, there's always a rationale for why you're on. So there's no reason to even try to defend it. But the funny thing is, like, when we were talking about this guy, Liver King, I mean, I came to the conclusion that I don't know. Because, you know, like... We just have, don't know. I mm-hmm. just don't know. But people want you to pick a side. Mm. People want you to say... He's on drugs or people want you to say he's not. They want you to pick a side. But the thing is, it's like, we don't know. These are just assumptions that we have about people. And people have assumptions about you. They do. It's and done. It's, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I, I have the funny story. I had a guy be on Instagram. And this, you, the people troll sometimes. Yeah. A guy, he, he said something. I, just, I forgot what he said. He was, he was talking about, like, the mobility drills I use. And he said I used, like, baby oil. And he was like, I'm like... <laughs> He said, I'm a reject trainer. So he's just so happy to be a trainer. So I was like, okay, you took the time to go on my page and analyze what I do and who you think I am by just looking at me. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to return you the favor. I'll go do the same. Yeah. I go to his page. Obviously, it didn't take much time to figure out he trains as well. Uh-huh. And I was going back to say something to him, but he blocked me. Because <laughs> I think he knew that when I went on his page, what I was going to say. But... I'm like, you can't do that because me, I was just returning the favor to him being a jackass and <laughs> saying like, oh, I don't think you're a trainer because of boom, because of how you look. And I could have like shamed him, but then I would have been a bully. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? So true. like, it's just, it's a losing battle. I, I, I don't understand when trainers do that because like trainers will do that to my shit too. Like the second I put out any like little bit of information, they will try to talk a lot of shit about it. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is the most interesting way to try to gain clients to come off as a complete dickhead. Like, no one's going to see that and be like, oh, you know what? I want to pay that guy. Oh, my God. That's, like, the biggest thing. I was like, imagine trying to sell positivity by being negative towards someone else. Exactly. <laughs> like, what? It's like, it's like I'm not going to want to work with you because you showed me, like, this guy's not worth working with. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah. I'm, if I'm shopping trainers online and I go on your page and you're bashing other people... Then what do you think about me? Because I need your help. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dre, where it's coming from is 
the guy's girlfriend is excited by your page <laughs> and he's got to throw that hate out there like, well, look at the way this guy moves his hips I'm like damn <laughs> Dude, you, y'all be surprised I get a lot of hate in the kettlebell world I don't think they like me Man. which is fine like because you. It's, you come into like anything they have a culture or something and the way things is done and someone comes in and they're different and they get a lot of attention because what they bring to the table is new of course you're going to hate it and you're- you spend time trying to show people why it's unethical or why but the people that are bought into it they're bought into it for a reason honestly fuck the culture <laughs> yeah, you're, you're disrupting it right you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're the you glitch are. in the matrix you're right glitch. now and you see a lot of I, I see more people copying what i do than anything which i think is great like whatever That's, yeah but it's because i don't i think i what i bought to the table and how i did it is when people see it they're like oh i've seen this first with dre so it's like I don't need to like yeah. do it because I'm so out of unorthodox to what I do. It's like when you see it, you know, like that's who it comes from. I mean, so yeah. it's fine. Goddamn, like Rogan knows a lot of kettlebell people, mm-hmm. but you're the guy that he mentioned on his podcast three different times. <laughs> he scan is different. I fucking scan your page for movements, bro. Yeah. Like I'm just like, what? Did, what did I Drake come up with? Some of your shit. Yeah, I'm like, man. I'm gonna try that. Yeah. Like, How come I don't look like him? I'm like what the fuck, man? Take more shit. I was gonna say you're on different stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that looks simple enough, and I'm like trying it. And I'm like trying to contort myself. I'm like, That's not working. I mean, you spend enough time, you'll get it. I'm telling you, you yeah. get it. You spend enough time with it, and you just have fun with it. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Meat and fruit, you mentioned? Meat and fruit. I'm like, I'm big on steak. Like, I cook steak uh, six to eight pounds a week of, like, grass-fed ribeyes. Guy's not fucking around. That's a lot of kiwis. I do a lot of kiwis. We're going to get you set up with a bunch of Piedmontese steaks. Yeah. Have you had Piedmontese? Your brother was telling me about those. He was telling me about that. We'll get you back. And I, I, so much meat. I just love it because I wake up and I feel energetic. And, like, as of recent, I've been doing the cold showers and the cold plunge. And for me, it became, like, more mental. Like, every day I take a cold shower, and when I come out, I feel like I'm a new person. So my thing is now, like, when I go in, whoever I come out as, <laughs> someone different. Like, I love that. Different mindset. So yeah. I get mm-hmm. in the cold tub and come, come out fresh, ready hey, to— and who the fuck cares what it does scientifically, right? Exactly. You tried it. It feels good. I love you it. like it? I love it. I love it. Do you do it post-workout? Like, how no, soon? No, no. Okay. I, do, I do it in the morning, first thing in the morning. So mm-hmm. first thing in the morning is, like, when I wake up. Nice. It's like, I need the, the awakening. So it's like, it works. Yeah. And it feels good. And I've been doing it for like the last six months. And I feel great. Do you turn into a bitch sometimes or you're pretty good with it? I'm pretty good with it now. I'm pretty good with it. I used to do them in college a little bit, but yeah. I'm pretty good with it now. I do, you do them every day. You get used to it. It's every like, once right. in a while, it's like that voice in your head's like, that's going to be really cold. <laughs> <laughs> that, that voice is every day for me. Yeah. That voice is every day. But with uh, the meat and fruit that you said you've been doing for your nutrition, how long have you been doing that? Was there a time that you made a transition? Uh, I transitioned to it, I would think. Um, I've read this book. It was called, what is it called? I forget. But it was like in the beginning of COVID, he talked about how how not only like storing food and all, like, like I, don't, I don't do frozen food in the sense of when I get the food, it's probably already been frozen probably multiple times. Mm-hmm. So I need, to, he, he talked about eating food as close as it was to being alive. Mm. So I buy everything fresh and I cook it within that two to three day window because once I started doing that, I felt like I got leaner. I felt healthier. I felt like cleaner energy. So I just kept doing it. Mind you, it's expensive as fuck to always, <laughs> <laughs> to always eat like Pain fresh stuff. Like, 
but and not to be able to store stuff like I don't freeze meat. So imagine mm. I'm buying steak. I got to cook it within that two, three day window because in my mind it's already been frozen like two or three times. So mm. it's like I don't want. Mind you, there's no science to back it. It's just based off feeling. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a better position as far as like energy wise, my physique, everything, strength, eating the meat the way I do it. So I yeah. buy it cook it within that day i cook all my meals like I'll, i used to meal prep because i used to be time wise i had no time but now i cook every single meal mm-hmm. like that day yeah because i feel like oh, it's I better see. that way i see yeah you so you cook it right away and then does it is is it sit in your fridge for a little bit no. too or no you no you just, i cook and you eat. cook it and eat mm-hmm. it okay every time which require a lot you gotta have a lot of time on your hands yeah, like yeah. i got like i so i do i train it i got sessions in the morning but i got some a lot of online work i do with like my programming you and eat stuff. like two three times a day probably. i eat like two big meals yeah. i'll do like mm-hmm. a meal in the morning i'll do a meal in the evening. i like the two meals like i you eat two meals that are around like 1800 calories it's pretty solid mm. but also like fasting Mm-hmm. Because I believe the body should have a time to like process without you filling it with food and like water. So I do that like on average. I like to eat between eleven and five. So and Saturday I, morning, we said like sometimes you go on a run. Is that fasted? I, you believe it or not, a lot of my lifts are fasted. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like lifting fasted. Same. Unless I'm gonna be. Do you indulging. consider it to be fasted if you ate in the morning, but it's like way later in the day, or is it like fasted? No, it's fasted. like fasted. Like I am having nothing on my stomach. Didn't eat anything yeah. for the whole day. Okay, because sometimes my workouts happen in the morning, and I, I don't see. eat till like noon, no matter what day it is. That's mm-hmm. just how I operate. Yeah, it's just I it feel better that way. What about caffeine? Um, I like coffee. I drink okay. a lot of coffee, so not fasted without coffee. I drink coffee. He's got some caveman coffee right now. Mm-hmm. I'm Try like, some of that mind bullet, man. Oh, yeah. I'm still scared. That. That's been that. sitting there. I'm still just scared. Just do, do half just or something. Some little sippy yeah. poo. But yeah, I'm like, I'm like a coffee bug. Like, coffee's one of those things that I don't care how much science they bring out about how bad it, I'm not going to stop drinking coffee. <laughs> I, I have not heard one bad thing from no. about coffee. But I was into that for a while. Like anything that I would read about or learn about mm. that was like, like I forget what it was. <laughs> it's like four years ago. I read like... um masturbating was bad for muscle you lose muscle you're like i'm done mm-hmm. oh i was you done stop. i was done semen retention i was done i was done i was done let me do this a couple more times <laughs> <laughs> i was done i was like you killing my muscle growth i'm done i'm out i'm out I'm out. but that's how the internet gets you you read something and they give you a little bit of science on it dog It'll they did a recent study to show that it increases no i'm just kidding <laughs> his eyes are all lighting up he's like really man <laughs> Ain't nothing Any, wrong with masturbating. Hey, man, it's just <laughs> studies out there. So the diet is primarily meat and fruit. Meat is there and fruit. like, uh, I don't know, does, I mean, you mentioned being lactose intolerant, so I doubt like a pizza comes no. in the middle of that or something. <laughs> no, but. no, no. And I, I, what was it, like a month or two months ago, I had randomly, I was like, all right, I forget what it was. I think it was the final. So I was like, I'm going to have a pizza. And I thought I was like dying. <laughs> like my, because I don't eat food like that when I do. Mm. My body's like, get this out Don't now. Do it. It's like it like tears itself up trying to get rid of it mm. because that's it's like years and years of not having that type of stuff. So you introduce yeah. it to your body. It's like it's poison. I mean, essentially, in some ways, it is poison. But mm-hmm. it your body treats it that way. So it's like get it out now. So mm-hmm. I get sick. Like my stomach was like turning inside out trying to get the food out. Yeah, damn. Yeah. So it, it makes it unappealing. So I really don't do it like i would want to be able to eat stuff like that i find like mentally pleasure sometimes but 
I know how sick I'm gonna get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's not worth it. It is funny it's, when, like, I've noticed this too. Um, I don't eat nearly as much like processed foods, like Oreos or Doritos or whatever, like I did in the past when I was younger. And if I ever do have some of that stuff nowadays, I just don't feel, I feel tired, feel lethargic. My shit's weird for like the next two shits. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it hit, like you you realize how bad that food was for you when you finally get off of eating it a lot. Dude, there's a lot of wiping involved when you eat, when you eat weird food. Yeah. Yeah. Cleanup is tough. Yeah. Yeah. What I noticed the other day, cause like I've been, I've been pretty straightforward on my diet, like fairly Um, low carb-ish, you know, you know, lots of protein, but like I had, um, Remember I, a long time ago, I talked about like those like super good breaded like chicken pieces from Costco. They're just like frozen. You cook them. They, they come out super yeah, good. I, I was like, oh, let me just ha- I haven't had that in a long time. Let me eat those. Dude, I was starving the whole day. <laughs> like I ate a lot of chicken, but I was like, dude, I'm fucking like I'm dying over here. I need more food. But it's because I wasn't used to that extra processed like breading on it. And like I just could not get full. Yeah. And I was like, damn, could you imagine doing this every day with every meal, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's why I don't understand how more people don't start to explore like the way they eat. Because if it's not it doesn't make you feel good, then what do you I think that's they think that's how they're supposed to feel. Mm. You know, there's an aspect of it that when you get when you get used to eating a certain way, it the the, the way you feel is like that's that's normal. So you don't necessarily you don't Partially, there's an aspect where you don't know how bad you feel because you don't know how good you could feel, yeah. so mm-hmm. it's normal. But then also, your body is used to that. This is this is mm-hmm. what I eat. This is this is food. And that's why the whole like you know the if it fits your macros thing is beneficial mm-hmm. in a way because it doesn't take away potentially the things that people really hate, but. It, <sighs> It, it allows for some freedom to fit certain things in, but it, yeah, it doesn't demonize certain foods, which for some people mentally fucks with them. You know what I mean? And I get that. And I, and I, that's why I don't, I don't talk about food a lot because if people hear me talk about food a lot, they'll think I'm like, they'll probably call me narcissist and like an ass. <laughs> I think it's pretty black and white. It yeah. either is good for your body or it's not. Yeah. But I don't say that to other people because I know that's just how I see it. Like I, some people want to enjoy food, but I enjoy eating ribeyes and kiwi every day. It's just good. But that's what I enjoy. I know other people won't enjoy, so I don't preach that to people. I don't mm-hmm. want people to think, oh, he's trying to get people to eat this way. He's trying. I, I just don't get into it, so I don't really talk diet as well. I tell people, I, this is what I eat. This is what works for me. Like, it may not work for you. Like, yeah. People think, like, oh, I can't. I did a, I, when I started eating steak, I went like a full year, like six weeks. Uh, no, six, like six to eight pounds a week. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the doctor to get my numerous stuff tested because people, you get the people, oh, your blood pressure, cholesterol. My numbers were fine because I was trying to tell them, I was like, oh, it's because I don't eat all the processed carbs mm-hmm. and processed sugar. If you combine that in and you eat steak the way I do, you're in trouble. <laughs> like yeah. you're, in, you're in some deep trouble. But if you eat the way I do and you exercise the way I do and the way you live your life, you can eat as much steak as you want. Yeah. But if you're having those times you drink and you don't, then obviously you can't do it because it's not going to be healthy for you. Because mm-hmm. your body is not going to be healthy enough to break down that state the way it's supposed to because you don't give it everything else it needs. Yeah. So you're going to compromise your organs. You're going to get sick. No, no question. So, yeah, then you can't. That's why I don't preach it because if people start eating steak the way I do and they eat the way they do, and they're in trouble. <laughs> mm, so, absolutely. I mean, I, I just keep quiet on the diet piece because I know, like, what I do works for me, and it won't work for everybody. Mm. People are really ruled by their gut. 
you know. Yeah. They, they get used to certain foods, and their body kind of cries out for those foods. Their taste buds cry out for those foods. And when they eat those foods, it kind of like, quote, unquote, works. Yeah. But much like an alcoholic, if, if you had someone that was in that position, you'd be like, bro, this is the last thing that you need. Like, this isn't going to work the way that you think it's going to work. Like, remember when you blacked out? Remember when this happened? Mm-hmm. It's real easy to point that out with, like, drugs or alcohol, but harder to do so with, with, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to food. And I believe a lot like you believe. You, you know, you really believe in kettlebells a lot. And you mentioned earlier, you were like, I think, that, I think they're kind of for everybody. I think there is a way to eat for humans. Yeah. And I think that meat works for everybody. Now, how much meat and, you know, how much intervention of other foods can be in there, I think that's up for people to decide themselves and to get comfortable uh, with what fits their day-to-day and what fits their mindset and all that kind of stuff. But I do think that it's pretty obvious meat is digestible for everybody there's like some weird cases of like someone mm-hmm. who got bit by like a Lone Star tick or something <laughs> like that where they have a meat allergy, like yeah. a red meat allergy. That's but fantastic. meat in general, meat and eggs is – or sometimes eggs people are allergic to as well. But normally with meat, people can find a particular kind of meat that they can eat. And when it comes to fruits and vegetables, normally people can find some type of fruit, some type of vegetables that they can eat. And when it comes to rice or potatoes, a lot of times people can find uh, you know – rice and potatoes that they can eat, like these natural foods that mm-hmm. were meant for us to eat. Yeah. It just turns out that they're, they can be very difficult to overeat on. Um, and if we start to add processed stuff to that, it just happens to be that it makes it super easy to start to overeat all that stuff. If we take steak, which is amazing, uh, we chop it up and we throw some teriyaki sauce on there and we throw some rice in there. Now you ended up with something that's going to be really easy to overeat your calories on mm. and something that may not fill you up quite as much as primarily just focusing in on the steak and the rice with some salt. Exactly. And that's why I try to tell people mostly is when you eat, just pay attention to how you feel, like how you feel doing your everyday life. Like mm-hmm. just pay attention to how the food makes you feel. And the books, the one book that I did read, it just talked about how we got so far away from how they started and like how they ate. Like that's where the refrigerated thing came from. They didn't have refrigerators back in the day, mm-hmm. like way back when. Mm-hmm. So storing food wasn't a thing. You had to cook it. You had to eat it. I mean, you hunt, you eat. So like all these, and now I'm like big on like, I don't want to eat anything that was created after 19, such and such. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, this You're food, going deep down the rabbit you know hole. I mean? This food wasn't here and it was like man-made. Come on, you know how, mm-hmm. then why would we eat it? But I get it, like the mass consumption of like food, like if we always just wanted to grow stuff, everything was grown and like grass fed, it just wouldn't be possible. Like there's too many humans in the world, like they had Mm -hmm. to start like creating stuff or they just didn't want to pay the farmers to do it or whatever the reason was. Like they needed to to make more money and subsidize like corn and stuff. Exactly. So they came, they ran into those issues, but doesn't mean I have to eat it. Right. And I just choose not to. And I find it costs me more money, but I'm healthier because of it. Like, I, I'm like one of those people that don't think, unless you have, like, a pre-existing condition or, like, you're not in a predicament where you can pay a big medical bill if you get sick. I don't, I'm, like, truly not into, like, the whole healthcare thing. I think it's more of a scam, but that's just me. Because, like, if I'm doing, taking the precaution steps to be healthy and live a healthy lifestyle, working out, being active, I have no pre-existing conditionings conditions for nothing then what do i need health care for i go to the doctor once every two years they tell me what i know i'm healthy (laughs) (laughs) 
Is it any surprises? No. All right. There's yeah. surprises. All right. Let's address it. So I'm one of those people. So it just ends up being like, what's the point? That's true. Let me ask you this, man. Um, do you, because you, you mentioned like 1,800 calorie meals, did you ever use to track and do you track currently or do you now just like eat to satiation? Uh, I, I I think I used to track when I was in college, but I, I don't track. I yeah. like, I call what I, what we call it, guesstimate. Mm-hmm. Like I eat the same stuff so much. Like I kind of have an idea how much I'm eating. Yeah. I don't really know, mm-hmm. but I kind of think I'm in that like 3,200 calorie range most days. Like some days I may go over. Yeah. But I, I don't know to a T. Yeah. But I eat the same stuff. And you every time you eat, what the food do you eat? Because you eat meat and fruit. Do you ever have like cravings to eat more? Or do you So you like- don't. So and that's what I found with the the steak and like the with the salt piece of that. When you don't eat when you eat so much of like red meat, you don't crave anything but red meat. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm like so uninterested in like eating chicken and eating fish because of how good red meat is and like mm-hmm. what it does for me physically, physically, mentally, and like how I feel. So I'm like, I like get addicted to it, which is I think fine because it's healthy, yeah. <laughs> but you don't like, I'm telling you there's days where I'll eat steak three or four times. It's just like, I just want steak. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want anything else but steak. And for the sugar piece of it, like people get sugar cravings. Obviously sugar cravings is from not having enough carbs in your body, but I eat like I snack on kiwis all day. Yeah. So kiwis are your go-to. Any other fruit that's your like that you did? I've been. I recently got into mango. Mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> I tried the pineapple thing, but like I ate too much. So whatever I do, I, like I do. Whatever I do, I do. Like I overdo it. Like <laughs> when I eat steak, I'll eat thirty-two ounces of steak, like in one city. That's just how I operate. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I the pineapple. I was like two whole pineapples in two days. Mind you, I was new to pineapple, so I didn't know it like mm. eats through you as well. <laughs> So I had, like, cuts of, like, the burns oh, through the side yeah, of my yeah. mouth. And, like, my tongue was, like, scarred up. Yeah. So I'm done with pineapple. <laughs> so it's pretty simple. If you burn me, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, so I don't do pineapple anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been on the kiwis and I do the steak. I do, I like oatmeal. I'll do oatmeal some days. Yeah. Mainly drink water? Water. Water. Coffee. Electrolytes? <sighs> Uh, not really. You just throw mm-hmm. salt on stuff. You get electrolytes from your fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do. I drink. Um, I well, I take my vitamins. Mm-hmm. I'm big on my vitamins. Like I do. Like I love a lot. I take magnesium. Oh, there you go. Vitamins are slang for trend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful with that. You be so. You, this is this is a crazy thing. For a while, I wouldn't even because I was so scared. I didn't know. I don't know much about steroids. Who who knows something about something they're not interested in? Yeah. So. I wouldn't even take pre workout because I thought like this might have steroids in it. I that wouldn't take like before, yeah. I wouldn't take yeah. like uh, the good old way. I was like, there's <laughs> steroids in like any supplement. I thought I was like they put steroids in it. <laughs> they actually in some they have put like some shit in certain supplements yeah. in the past and even currently we're that, putting like, it in our supplements <laughs> yeah. within you brand. Uh, yeah. Now they get saves on some steroids. Yeah, yeah. promo code Power Project Ten save ten percent off within you supplements. You might get to the, yeah. the, the, the you might be lucky to get the batch that's <laughs> yeah. got steroids. Yeah. Exactly because I mean you heard some people like, "Whoa, I took this pre workout or this protein and I got swole." Because there was some shit in I, that. I got, <laughs> I got hella acne and my dick doesn't get hard anymore, but, but I, I got swole. <laughs> See, like that stuff scared me. So I, like, I wouldn't touch it. It's like, maybe I am taking steroids. I don't know. <laughs> so I wouldn't do it. Like, Dre, did you gain 15 pounds in the past month? Oh, I don't know, bro. Is this new pre-workout? It's, yeah, it's just this protein. <laughs> it's crazy. So well, I just, I don't. And so I do the vitamins. I take my vitamins just 
I don't even think I need him, but it's for me. It's like, oh, if I do, yeah, then I'll just take him. There's a, a website that uh, somebody put out years ago, and it's called Rule Dot Me, mm-hmm. and it's it's a low it's a lower carb uh, way of living, and it has recipes and stuff like that. And I always thought I was like, I was like, it's kind of hard to say, like what what a weird name for a site. But then I read the description of why the site is called that, and it talked about food uh, ruling people. Mm-hmm. And this guy was really heavy, lost like 150 pounds or 100 pounds or something like that. And he, uh, you know, has got a, got a great story. But I was like, the food does rule us, you know. And as I started kind of researching nutrition and looking more at um, yeah. at the different diets and things like that that were out there, there was a bunch of different people that were just talking about how the the big food companies, they really rule us. And, and they do. And when you're somebody that is purchasing, I mean, you know, in this day and age where people are cautious and they're, they're paying attention more as to where they're putting their dollars and they don't want to put their dollars towards, um, you know, certain farming practices and certain things, right? I think that that's something that people should really look at. People should really look at where are you putting your dollars? You, are you really putting your dollars towards Doritos? Are you really putting your money into Pepsi, into Coke? I mean, this might assist people with even getting away from some of the um, <clears throat> some of the other types of uh, sodas that are you know sugar free that that have like you know artificial sweeteners or mm-hmm. whatever in them. Just because it's <clears throat> like I don't really want to fucking participate in anything that company's doing, <laughs> and I know it's hard because you know Pepsi. I think they own like Dasani and. Yeah, they fucking own a lot of shit. But when you primarily are eating meat and primarily eating fruit, hopefully you're keeping your dollars away from that. And imagine if more and more Americans did that, how much healthier would be, we would be and how much we could help our own healthcare system mm-hmm. because less of us would be fucking sick. <laughs> but I think, and that's like me, I'm like a big conspiracy person when it comes to like healthcare and stuff. I think it's all designed that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's designed... Mm-hmm. For these products and stuff, like you go to the candy, I mean, you go, you leave a store, you got candy as you go out. I mean, it's it's easier, it's cheaper for you to buy something unhealthy it is than buy something healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a concept in that, like it's because I want you to buy the unhealthy thing because what does that lead to? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me and how I think. Otherwise, why would it be pushed so hard? Why would yeah. it be so much of it? Why? Like, what's the point? Money. <clears throat> like, I'm one of those people. I think, like, why do you label things? organic everything should be organic you should label unorganic stuff so i know like oh this is man-made in a factory like this probably not gonna be good for me like i don't understand like why yeah (laughs) interesting. i I kind of have always wondered like will we ever get there you know like with cigarettes right like sometimes when you see someone smoke like obviously we go to different country things are different but Mm -hmm. here in the u.s you see someone smoke you're like man people still do that it's fucked up uh, you know, hopefully, like I, I kind of actually recognize this. I see somebody with like a regular Sprite or a regular like Coke or something. I'm like, why the why in the fuck <laughs> would anybody do that? Like, because now there's at least there's other options with the sugar free drinks, mm-hmm. the Coke Zeros and stuff like that. But I see that and I'm like, first of all, why are you drinking that? Secondly, why in the fuck is your kid drinking that? Ooh, what are you doing, that's man? Another topic. It's just wild, <laughs> and, and it's and, you know probably just it's probably just. Uh, <clears throat> it's probably just a simple lack of knowledge, and that's. I think that's what it is. It honestly is because I was I was talking to my girlfriend and one of my buddies about it. I was like, why do people feed their kids? Like, why do you think it's okay to feed your kids something because you you they've labeled this a kids people say meal. they have a hard time with their diet because of their kids. Yeah, and I'm like, your kid drives to the fucking <laughs> grocery store and buys mm-hmm. Cheez Its because it's, it's you train 
the well, society has created what they call like oh that's a kids meal. Like so, what's a kids mm. meal? What do you mean? Like that? Like chicken nuggets, fish sticks? You Feed mean that like, little motherfucker some liver? <laughs> it's like why do you think that's that's kids food? Your kids yeah. should be eating what you're eating. Mm-hmm. No. Why not? Their body's like yours. You want them to grow and be healthy? They grow up with a weird interpretation <laughs> of food. My parents are always trying to lose weight. They're on this keto diet. That's a weird thing. Yeah, that's. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, <clears throat> me personally, when I have kids, my kids will eat the way I eat. Mm-hmm. They won't be introduced into, I, I don't think I'm going to deprive them of stuff. But they're going to know fun for what I think fun is. So they're going to think fruit is fun. Exactly. Yeah. They're not going to think a Snicker bar is fun. So they like, come home from their friend's house after <laughs> yeah. eating some fucking cupcakes. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's the problem. But that will be, be fine. It, yeah, every now and then won't be an issue, but it won't be like the basis of their diet. That's where my issue becomes in. It's like, but I do understand the aspect of being a parent, not having time and you got to do sometimes what you got to do to be quick on your feet. Mm. You do have time, though, and it takes longer. It does. It, it takes longer to have kids that act like assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And your kids will act like assholes and not eating properly. Yeah. yeah they really do. What, what I had said yesterday, because, you know, like my son's one and a half. He eats what we eat. Um, I keep sugar away from him completely. People think that we're a little crazy. But I'm like, if if I'm eating something that I shouldn't be eating, he'll call me out on it. So, like, let's just say, like, uh, we go to In-N-Out and I'll get fries. And if he wants fries... I'm like, if I give it to him, I'm not giving it to him for him. I'll give, I'm giving it to him because I don't want to hear him cry anymore. So I'm doing it for myself. I'm being mm-hmm. extra selfish by giving it to him. So what I said, same thing with like sweets, everything, all of the above is like, like no, like I'm, I'm going to be an asshole right now for him. You know, like I'm doing this for him because I'm going to give him a chance. I had mentioned it on a podcast recently, like he's fairly carnivore he doesn't really eat carbs or anything but by doing that it's keeping him in the top one percent of like kids his age right like he's not gonna he's not gonna have to worry about diet because we normalize what we normalize it's gonna be normal for him to eat steak every day like it's Mm -hmm. not gonna be weird that he doesn't get chicken nuggets or order shit off of a kid's meal which is complete dog shit like i talk about that on the podcast a lot going to spaghetti factory the kid's menu has zero protein on the menu oh really it's, it's all noodles it's, all, it's all noodles and some sort of sauce. That's all it is. There's no chicken. There's no meat of any kind of meat sauce. That I've maybe been to has places some. where the kids' menu has like uh, chicken fingers and French fries. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. It's like they need two things of fried food. What the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And but then, my, thing you know, is, crazy. Milk. <laughs> my thing is why yeah. introduce it when you're eventually yeah. going to take it away? Because what, what yeah, happens, it makes it hard. Yeah. What happens when the kid gets to the point where they're maybe feeling you know they may be a little my kids is a little overweight now you mm-hmm. got to take it away from them mm. and how does that work you're trying to take something from somebody mm. a child they don't understand the concept of why i can't have this yeah but you should have never told them why they could have it mm-hmm. yeah so. you're messed up because i messed up <laughs> exactly you know didn't just uh, a friend of the a friend of mark's and a friend of ours too his name's jesse burdick when he came on the podcast he talked about his daughters and the way they because you know sometimes and we found multiple people that have mentioned this but you know, a kid is going to go see, go to their friend's house. A kid's going to uh, have an opportunity to go somewhere else where friends are having cookies or whatever. But I think it was Jesse who mentioned that his daughters came home and they're like, yeah, I had some of this stuff. It was just too <laughs> sweet. Like it was just, you know, if a kid is used to eating real food and it's good real food, when they go out and they have this really just 
packed with sugar, packed with like just a lot of shit stuff. They'll come back and that's not normal for them. They'll realize, oh, this is, this is too, too much here. There's too much going <laughs> yeah, on here. Yeah, yeah. And even for myself, like I've noticed this. I don't change the way I eat. I ate over the years. When I go back and eat some of that shit, it's just – too it's much. Yeah. And see, do you know where your keys are? We got to move our cars. Apparently, oh. we're painting the building. So, well, we're gonna wrap. We're gonna wrap this up in just a few minutes. Okay. Anyway. Well, yeah. All right, I, cool. I know where his keys are. I saw them on the desk on your desk. Oh yeah, it's on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> I can just run and go move, it and you guys keep going. Or? Uh well, we're, I think we're good. We're, got it. Yeah, right. I don't think it's a fucking emergency. Apparently maybe it is. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Well, I mean, they didn't even put a sign up to say like we can't park there. Yeah. So. You know, I'm, let me, let me just, I'll move my car real quick. Y'all keep going. Okay. I'll be right back. Yeah. I'll, <clears throat> all right. Well, me and Dre will talk. <laughs> <laughs> my car doesn't need to be moved or someone else moved it probably. So how's your list been going? You can't lately? move my car without my phone because that's the only key I have for my phone. But maybe I don't need to move it. Lifts are going good, man. I feel good. I feel great. Like I, I'm not um, – my goals have changed. So, yeah. um, you know, everything's like, everything's like a little bit of like a moving target is the way that I look at it. I'm – I'm uh, I'm doing what I can do, and at, simultaneously, I'm trying to fix what I can fix. Mm-hmm. So I have a skill set with certain things that I can do, certain things that give me quick workouts that are efficient. So again, like going back to the machines, I can I can use the cables in the gym. I can do like lat pull downs, and I can do seated rows, and I can get some good muscle activation from some of those movements. So when I keep those in at the moment while I'm still pretty inefficient at some of these other movements because it's harder for me to have really good workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously if you put me through something, you're trained enough and you know enough and you worked with enough people to where you can just obliterate me and put me through a really good workout that uh, stimulates me, but doesn't leave me like for dead. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but for now, for me, like if I, like when I'm trying some of your stuff off of IG and stuff like that, it's uh, it's so experimental that it's kind of tough for me to to get, to get a good workout in. So that's why I'm kind of blending, I'm blending things together. And uh, the workouts have been awesome. You know, I, I'm doing a lot of uh, a lot more twisting, a lot more rotational stuff. Um, running is still pretty new to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've probably been messing around with running for like the last two years or so, but taking it a lot more seriously in the last like six months. And what's cool about it is like, I felt like I was coming from so far back that I consistently get better at it without a ton of, I do think about it. I am interested in it. I am working on it. I am working on mobility and stuff, but, uh, I just getting better at it because I'm just doing it. Yeah. And that's fun to me because that's what lifting used to be for me. When I started, when I was younger, I would lift and yeah, I would think about the form and technique and I'd think about these different methods and stuff. Um, but it was just like, hey, man, be consistent with it. Keep lifting. Add resistance when you can. Uh, try to stay safe. And I just kept getting stronger and stronger. So now I'm kind of feeling like I did when I was just first getting started. And that's what I was telling you about. I feel like the kettlebells have done for me. I always find something that I want to be better at. So I never, it's, it's never about how heavy I can go. It's about how much better can this movement look? Mm. How much smoother can I keep my foot planted when I transfer from one side to another? Am I getting all the muscles engaged the way I, so I, you never, you, like you say, you never really run out of things to get better at. <clears throat> like, are you always going to have something to pursue as far as move? If you all, the focus is movement. You mm-hmm. always will find a better way to move. So that's why I love pursuing it that way because it never ends. And you always, 
you find one little issue. Like with me, like as of late, I found out like I ain't find out. I noticed my anterior tibialis is not as strong as the rest. So I've been working that, and it's been a forever ending. It's been like six weeks, and I'm still working at it, and mm-hmm. I still feel like it's not as strong. But I'm going to continue to work that. And by the end of it, I'm going to find something else that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Like, I already know, like, I want to work on my my growing and be stronger. And that's what that one movement we were doing <laughs> earlier was about. I added that in for a client, but I noticed it, that I had the same issue. So I started mm-hmm. exploring it for myself. So I'm always going to be finding little tweaks and smaller muscles that need to be stronger. And you find it when you do the big lifts and you go back and do the big lifts. They just move a lot fluently. And when you watch your own stuff back, I mean, that's the beauty of recording stuff. When you watch it back, you can say, oh, shit, I didn't really realize I was moving that way. I could do way better. Yeah, exactly. Next time I do that, I'm going to try it this way. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. It's just always something that can be better. And if you're excited to do it and you can make it fun, it will never stop. Mm -hmm. And that's what... what I've been getting back from people with the kettlebells is so different from what I've been usually doing. Like I'm actually, it's different all the time because if I'm, and that's why I say I use the movement pattern as a way to program because I'm just implementing movements. That's a pull or that's a push. It's not always the same movement, but they're similar. Yeah. So it's different, but we're working the same muscle mm-hmm. and it's not always about that one rep, but we're still training this muscle. So you can switch it. Yeah. I'm actually curious about this because like when it comes to certain movements in the gym, like deadlifts, a lot of people find that, okay, I injured my back. Like it's a common injury over time, right? For you or maybe when you've seen people working out and it's not that you can totally avoid injury, but for you, is there any type of thing that like this got re-injured again or this is bothering again with your type of training or because everything's working together, you're strengthening your core, stabilizers, all of that, do you tend to have less injuries than you used to when you were focused on specifically barbell and dumbbell training? I've had one injury since I've been doing kettlebells, and it wasn't even related to kettlebells. One injury in four years? That's not bad. (laughs) It wasn't even related to kettlebells. I started started in a flat football league. Oh, shit. (laughs) And I haven't been playing for a while, but this is the reason why I stopped playing football because, and because I can't, unless I'm playing for real, I can't play because mm. I, how passionate and how serious about it. So I'm playing flag football with people that are not football players, but I'm a football <laughs> player. And I had, I run, but I hadn't been sprinting. Uh-huh. And you know, if you haven't been sprinting, you just can't go out sprint. Yeah. So I treat my nose. I treat my hamstring a little bit, but I've been working on it, and it's better now. Yeah. So I'm back sprinting again because now I'm sprinting yeah. a lot. But I hadn't been sprinting, and I just went out there, and I'm like, all right, nobody's faster than me, so I'm just outrunning everybody. And I, I did, but it was like I haven't been running, so obviously I was going to tweak something. Yeah. So that's why that happened. Here's but. the key question. When you <clears throat> slightly tweaked your hamstring, did you just play it off and keep playing and kind of just like get like a little limp on the one side, mm-hmm. or, or did you like have to actually stop? Oh, I kept playing. <laughs> of course, of course. It wasn't tweaked enough that I couldn't play. I still was a yeah. hundred times better than everybody else. Right? So, <laughs> I still kicked all their asses. It is so, it's so embarrassing, right? Yeah, like I was like, I was fine. It was fine. Yeah, like no one needs to know. No it's, one needs to know about this. Especially somebody they see with all, all you trained with all this mobility, you shouldn't ever get hurt. Which is true. I, I'm, I'm trained. I'm so movement focused that I should never get hurt unless I'm being an idiot. 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was being an idiot. Okay. I got a third degree sprain of my ankle. It would have been just a whole lot better off if I just snapped it completely when I was a professional wrestler. And it happened like I was like five seconds into doing something with somebody and uh, it happened fucking right away. Damn. And uh, it was like this whole like tryout for like WWE and it was actually at like an arena um, in, in Los Angeles. So it was like before a TV taping of like SmackDown and shit mm-hmm. and like. Uh, Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon's son is there like watching this shit. So it's like, I just played it off and just got through everything. But when I got back to the locker room, my foot was so swollen. Like I was wearing like a boot, you know, and I pull, pull my fucking shoe off and look at my foot. And I was oh, like, no. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how? Cause like, I can't leave either. Cause like, that's kind of part of the way that the thing, everything works is you, stay there for the whole show i got invited to it which is like a huge honor and so like now i gotta stay there Mm -hmm. but i'm like how am i gonna be like walking around in the back without like you know limping it all yeah limping around so i just gritted my teeth the whole time and tried Uh, tried to walk as the best i could (laughs) yeah i mean that's how it is sometimes but that's again that's what we were taught we weren't taught to like Mm -hmm. oh sit out on the injury (laughs) like i in my household i couldn't get hurt like my mm-hmm. dad coached me when I would play youth football, but there's no such thing as being hurt. And there was times I was actually hurt, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Shake it off, play. Yeah, I mean that's what we were taught. There's the that scene from the program. Are you hurt or are you, or are you injured? Mm. And he the guy's like, uh, he's like, I think I'm just hurt. He's like, well then get the fuck up. <laughs> Damn. But that's, that's, and that's, that's like movie. that's that's so bad. But yeah. again, as we got older, we learned the correct way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of hey, well, you should sit down just for a couple plays <laughs> so we could. You know, let's, see what's going on. Yeah, let's make sure like nothing really horrible is going to happen. Do you try to get uh, some of your clients into some more minimalist shoes? Because I feel like uh, with like some of the diet stuff, you know, when somebody is like, I just like enjoying my food, they want to lean more into the cushy good yeah. food. It's kind of feels like the same thing with the shoes. Yeah, with the shoes, I definitely do. I push. I mean, I pretty much got all of them in Vivos by now. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I push Vivos like heavy when it comes to that because. More likely than anything, more people have more foot and ankle issues than anything. I mean, that's where everything stems from, bad feet, bad ankles. Mm -hmm. So we can address that right away by just changing your shoes and doing more stuff, then it helps. Because you see people, it's like people like outside of, like you don't play sports. Why are you walking around with three-inch thick shoes, soles? Like for what? Mm. You're not doing anything but separating your foot from the ground. Now you don't know how to use your toes and your foot. Use your foot as a foot instead of as separate like you don't you just do this and mm-hmm. most people use their foot like this yeah yeah you know, that's not how, that's not how it operates yeah or it's not supposed to but they don't know that you got women that wear heels or different types of shoes like the dress shoes and they just don't know any better so you just gotta like retrain it and a lot of movement quality gets better just from doing that how long have you been wearing barefoot shoes because you were mentioning like you you like running that way too but how long have you been using barefoot shoes and how was the transition for you did you have any type of foot issues or was it pretty smooth oh uh, i definitely have footies i got flat feet uh, <laughs> yeah i was told i have flat feet too <laughs> i got flat yeah. feet so i mean i've always had the issue but it was always the sneakers that i wore i mean football cleats my oh, foot oh yeah dude and I, I always got my ankles taped so my ankles weren't getting stronger they were just wrapped so I've always had the ankle foot problem. I have to do that with soccer, too. I totally, you <laughs> you, you just taped. reminded me about that. Yeah, I just yeah. got my ankles taped whenever I played. All the time. And then you got your ankles taped, and then you got your foot stuffed in a cleat that's tight. Mm. So it's, it's nothing. But there's no really cleat that's designed for you to actually have that toe spread. Yeah. Maybe they'll figure something out later. But, like, 
that's why you spend but i was barefoot for a while like i was just training socks mm-hmm. because i figured out like that felt better than shoes i didn't know why but like mentally i was like mm-hmm. oh this feels better but then i started like research why and like get into it and that's why i got into the barefoot like i walk around barefoot like every day yeah shoes like these just what i wear uh-huh are you paying attention to your feet when you're doing some of these drills? Because, like, it looks like to me, like, when you're doing these movements that you are conscious of what you're doing with your feet. Gotta be. You have to be. Because a lot of times, the way your foot is playing it matters. Especially when you're spinning and you're turning. Yeah. How your, like, big toe is playing it, how much pressure you gotta be. And that's what I try to get my clients to focus on. Because you have somebody do an exercise, you're like, where'd you feel it? I don't know. All right, do it again. I, I'm going to tell you where you should feel it, and then let mm-hmm. me know if it's there, and we'll keep working it until it gets there. That mind-muscle connection is everything for everyone, and that's what 90% mm-hmm. of people are missing. Mm-hmm. So when you start to pay attention to where you're supposed to feel it and how your foot is supposed to be, it starts to make more sense to you, especially with kettlebells and a lot of, like, the flows and stuff I do. Mm-hmm. Like, how you pick your foot up and how you put it down matters because you got weight in your hands now. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that like uh, you're you're intentional on like kind of shoving that knee out. I saw like uh, when you were showing me that movement today, you're you know shoving your knee out to like where your foot is. You're not allowing you're not allowing the ankle complex to yeah. kind of cave, cave in, in and, yeah. and the knee to cave in. It's really important. I mean, that you can you know you can hurt yourself with anything. And I, you know, we were talking earlier about like right and wrong. You know, we don't like to get into too much of right and wrong, but. You do want to make sure that you're moving well and that you're not in a compromised position. Yes, and you want to train. And people get hurt when your body moves in ways it hasn't moved. That's when injuries happen, or it gets like like I don't think obviously accidents can happen, but I don't think I can ever step off a curve and tear an ACL mm-hmm. because the way my knee and my ankle is going to move, mm. I've already moved that way. It's you know trained I mean? to move the same it's, way exactly under those certain certain conditions, the same pressure and everything. Like, it's used to being able to catch myself in these movements because I train that way. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly just being prepared, just everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Are you able to, like, verbally explain, because it is a podcast uh, <clears throat> forum, um, with somebody, like, with low back pain, myself, um, like, some movements that you would recommend? And I know everyone's verbally. different, but, you know what I mean? Like, cause I, or maybe I can find it on your page, like, a certain movement with the kettlebells that somebody um, could implement. Not just it, – I wouldn't just say it's, like, a certain movement because mm-hmm. I don't know what your back pain stems from. Right. But I, what I feel like a lot of back pain and most stuff stem from is mostly dealing with the hips and the ability of how to use your core. Or is your lower back just weak? Mm-hmm. Or do you not know how to engage your core when it should be engaged in your back? Your lower back is taking a lot of pressure. So a lot of half kneeling stuff teaching you how to really like engage your hips and how to be stationary and use your core mm-hmm. is great because it, it, there's not much movement, but it's teaching you how to brace yourself and engage your glutes and how. So I would do that a lot of training. So like training your upper body while you're in a position of stabilizing your lower body. Yeah. So oftentimes probably the clients don't even know. They what don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't <laughs> makes know. Sense, but yeah. if I have you in a half kneeling position and I'm training your and I'm training rotation and I'm training anti rotation, I'm teaching you how to use your core and now no pressure is on your back. So of course your back pain is gonna go away. Your core is now working. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know if I really explain it, but it's just being in certain positions and strengthening those positions, whether it's half kneeling, laying, 
being strong in those positions allow you to be able to be more confident in movements and have a stronger core, mm-hmm. which yeah. is good for your back. The cool thing about what you mentioned, though, is co- like let's think of uh, just the normal seated shoulder press that you're going to see most people do in the gym. Usually they have the back rest up, so their back is resting on it. Might be a little bit of curvature, but they're just pressing overhead. But when you're doing that half kneeling, like I don't know if Andrew's oh, about like, to pull like it up. The, this, um, like this one. Like I like this one. He's he's <clears throat> sitting down, but he's mm-hmm. kind of explaining what you were kind of So a lot of times to. you see someone do a Z press, their feet, they're out like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What this does is a lot – put your foot in a position where now your hip flexors are, they're involved in this exercise. Like a lot, your lower body, your core is engaged, everything's engaged, which is supposed to be, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but not everybody has the ability to do right. that. So then you got to find ways to put your body in predicaments where it's using the correct muscles. Mm. Yeah, and some some movements, I mean, just they just simply just kind of put a governor on the movement. So this is like... How easy is it somebody, you know, for somebody to lift something really heavy that's never done this movement before? It's going to be quite mm-hmm, difficult. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like, even if they were to lift, quote unquote, the wrong way or move in a weird way, they just have like, you know, hopefully a, a light enough kettlebell in their yeah, hands where exactly. they're not going to hurt themselves. Uh, I noticed, you know, in a lot of the videos, um, which I think is really cool because I think a lot of times kettlebells, people are like, they just think like you do 9 million reps with them, yeah. you know? And I think sometimes you do that, but because you might be going from one thing to the next and you might kind of be doing that for multiple sets mm-hmm. or whatever. But I've also noticed you use a lot of low repetition, like yeah, yeah. sets of five and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah. So when you, once I go up heavier in weight, especially when it's something like you explain is where it's like a movement that I'm bringing from top to bottom. So I'm working a deadlift. I'm working a, I'm working a clean. I'm working a it's more power focus and mm-hmm. explosiveness means more to me than the hypertrophy training of the 10 to 12. So this is why you get in the lower reps of the five because conditioning, you, you only train, you're not only training strength, you're training explosiveness, speed. So like you're exerting some energy through that. So, and you go up in weight, you can't do more than three or four or five reps. So mm-hmm. it's not as effective. If you do as mm-hmm. many, you start to lose the power, and then the exercise becomes something that it wasn't Form. meant to be. It yep. wasn't meant to be. So if you focus solidly on three to four reps and being as powerful as you can in those three to four or five reps, you get the most you can out of it. Mm. And that's how it is with some movements as far as, like, the cleans and the snatches. But when you get into, like, more strict lifts, you get into, like, the split squats. Like, now you can bang out the 12 reps, the 10 to 12 reps, because now you're in a position where it's just that one movement. Mm. But if there's two movements, I like to cut it down to like four to five reps because it's a lot going on. And I want you to be able to maintain that power the whole time. When you work with people, do you sometimes have an opportunity to work with them outside? Uh, Yeah. So when, because I mean, you could just take a couple kettlebells. (laughs) I mean, probably not super convenient, but you take a couple kettlebells outside to a park or something, right? So when COVID happened, funny you said that all I had was one kettlebell. I had two 30 pound dumbbells and one kettlebell and no, everybody was scared to train inside. From March, when COVID happened in Boston, when stuff shut down, mm-hmm. to like September, I trained outside. Outside, every day. I had like five or six clients who trained outside. We had nice. one kettlebell, but that's where the creativity became because I had to address some shit. Like, you only had one <laughs> kettlebell and a dumbbell. I had to figure out how to give these people a good workout. Still an hour. I'm still charging my same rate of 100 or whatever dollars, so I need to make this real life. Like, we're not missing nothing. So that's where a lot of the creativity of how I had to, all right, now we can focus on movement. I don't know when we're going to be in the gym again. So your goals 
we, they they didn't have the same neural mind of I need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. It was more so I just need to move my body. It was like, all right, now we can address all these limitations you got. Yeah. Because you're not focused on the overall what you used to focus. You're just trying to make sure you're moving now. Mm-hmm. So that's when I made everything about movement. Because I didn't have much. Like, we didn't have no, no barbell. We had no... We couldn't worry about lifting heavy. All we had was a 50-pound kettlebell. Yeah. So it became more movement-focused. Yeah. And that's why I had to start being creative with myself, and then I got more creative with people. You mentioned you <clears> trained – I don't know if you still train people at Equinox, but that that stopped for you when COVID happened, right? Yeah. How did, like, how did you adjust after that? And then when gyms came back, have have things changed in terms of the way you do business and the way you train people? Do you still so do I was, that out of there? No, no. So I worked there. I mean, you, when, so when you work there, you can't train out. So, yeah. like, so you can't – I was full-time there. I worked 40 hours a week training people, and it was good. But when COVID happened, I started getting to the Instagram stuff and I built a following. I, my reach became more mm-hmm. and I was doing less. I still had clients, but I, I was still training in person. But I was obviously I was making more because I was making more money directly because it was, wasn't through a company. But now I was getting passive income through the Internet because now I got people in Germany asking me about like kettlebell <laughs> or wherever, like Spain, like people hit me up everywhere. So like a lot of my time is going into that. So it's like I'm doing both. So like by the time gyms open again, it was like, what am I going back for? Mm-hmm. I'll be making less money, mm. and I'm. It was. It was no point. Yeah. But like I learned a lot there. I learned how to run a business. Like I, I do. I. Well, I didn't learn that there, but I learned how to really market myself now. Like I market myself like three or four ways, and it's just me. Like I run a company like by myself. Mind you, I should probably hire somebody. Probably should have a team by now. <laughs> yeah. Because I have an app, I have online coaching, I have my in-person, and I have my PDF trainings, and they all are managed in all by me. It's just me. So, obviously, I'm probably stretching myself thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, it's good. It works for me. But uh, I'm definitely going to hire somebody soon. But it's more work, and it's all built around me. So Don't hire anybody. <laughs> <laughs> have someone that, work for free for a little bit. And that's what I love about Intern, it. Like, internship. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like how you could build a company just based around you. And I was working for a company and I was making them all this money. And now I just do it for myself. That's sick. So it's, 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 it's great. It's honestly. Dude, you're doing such a good job with it. It's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, man. Andrew, take us on out of here, buddy. Sure thing. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Uh, please, please, please let us know what you guys thought about today's conversation down in the comment section below. want to hear everything you guys have to say. Uh, let us know if you guys are going to start doing some more kettlebell training. And uh, please hit that like button on your way out and subscribe. If you guys are not subscribed, we would sincerely appreciate that as well. And please follow the podcast at MB Power Project on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. My Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter is at I am Andrew Z. And Seema, where are you at? Come party on Discord. We are going to be close to 2,000 soon. So we're at almost wow. 1,800. So Discord links below. Community there is popping. At Nsima Inyo on Instagram and YouTube. At Nsima Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Dre, where can people find you and potentially work at with you? every goddamn Dre. On- <laughs> That's <laughs> a hell of a handle, man. On yeah. TikTok and Instagram. YouTube is just a draw maze. All of it. That's it. Sick. How do people get your app? What's it called? Um, Functional Training App. It's through my mm-hmm. website. You can check it out. It's mostly, it gives people an idea how I train. A lot of people, most people aren't suited for programs mm-hmm. they don't really have program goals so what the app does is give you ability to see how i train if you like that you kind of can get to more of the programs so a lot of people check the app out they do workouts they subscribe for months and like, all right, i have goals now 
Mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. get a program that's suited for my goals. Yeah. And they just go from there to there. Sick. Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> integrity added. Attitude Hustle. I'm sorry. Attitude yeah. Hustle.com. Uh, yeah. Links down in the description and podcast show notes as well. Thank you so much for making the time to come out oh, and no see problem. us. And uh, I look forward fun. to uh, doing some more stuff in the gym with you today. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you guys later. Bye. <laughs>